Hey guys, what's up? Week 181. And I want to start this off with a correction real quick. I forgot they include the trailer to pin. Sorry. You guys can find it somewhere. And also, I want to give a shout out to a new YouTuber. He just kind of started out. I've noticed a couple of his videos here and there. They're, they're pretty good. I enjoy them. Uh, Into the Blue. I'll put a link below. He only has a few videos up. He just covers a couple movies every time. But uh, yeah, let's hop into the reviews. And the first one is going to be Dahmer from MVD. Um, is it the Marquee Collection? Yeah, I did peak. I know it's not a rewind. But uh, yeah, so Dahmer. This was made in 2002. This was a second time watch. And this is kind of infamous for being, you know, a Jeffrey Dahmer movie, which is already kind of, you know, a cult item right away. But it also stars Jeremy Redner from, you know, The Avengers and a slew of other movies. Um, and, and after watching this, uh, re-watching this, it, it immediately hit me that I was like, I kind of miss, like, it, don't take this the wrong way, because I'm not one of those ones that, like, well, maybe I am a little bit, that Marvel movies are ruining film, but you know what I mean? Like, they're fun, entertaining pieces, and that's about it. They, I, I never revisit them or anything, but... I feel it's really sad, although it's not sad that they're making a lot of money, but actors like Robert Downey Jr. or Jeremy Renner, they do such good performances in other films that I watch, and not that their performances are bad in the Avengers or Marvel movies, it's just that um, they're a little bit boring, if that makes any sense, especially in comparison to when you play Jeffrey Dahmer. Not an easy role to play, and a kind of a controversial role for some actors to tackle, but... Okay, so the structure of the story is kind of what makes it unique. And I remember in um, the early 2000s, there was a slew of these serial killer based on real serial killer movies, Ed Gein, Gacy, Ted Bundy, and of course, Dahmer. Um, I actually have only seen Dahmer, this one, and uh, I started to watch Bundy, which was directed by Matthew Bright. And what what th that one does is it's the director of Freeway 1 and 2, which are really great exploitation, crazy movies. I love them. It has that same kind of tone. And with Bundy, I just couldn't handle that. I, I just thought, this is pretty tasteless. And, I you know, I love my tasteless stuff, but for some reason, when it, it's real serial killers, it, it's a little off-putting at times. So I, I kind of tuned out on that one. But I only bring that one up because I feel like this Dahmer one, although some people would probably think it's exploitative, I don't see it that way. I think this is a really well-made kind of psychological character study. And the special features on here, they include the archival kind of featurette. The director mentions that he kind of wanted to paint Dahmer, as you know, not inhuman uh, exactly, because when you start looking at them inhuman, you kind of become Jeffrey Dahmer yourself, looking at how he looked at people inhuman. And, you know, I, I can understand that to a, cer a certain extent. I don't have much sympathy for, you know, <laughs> horrible serial killers like this. But as I've said before, Ed Gein and Dahmer are a little bit more interesting in their mind, thought, their process and stuff like that than a lot of the other ones. So um, let's actually get into the movie. Um, so like I said, it's structure a little different. Um, they make sure in this one to hit kind of a lot of those big, you know, scenes that everybody's heard about in the Dahmer case with the police officers actually finding one of his would-be victims, or not even would-be, would-become victims, um, and kind of letting them go. They make sure they hit that scene. They make sure they hit his first his first kill and all that kind of stuff. And it, it's told, the story opens up with um, that actual scene of him kind of luring that uh, away from the police and everything, picking up a young a young man in a place and, and using tactics he actually used, you know, uh, take you back to my place and you take some photographs and things like that. And he leads them back and, and, and whatever he does, typically it goes into that story. But then we have these flashes, these kind of almost like Dahmer's remembering after kind of being like reunited, reunite, like these memories are 
coming to life again in his mind. So we jump back to when he's a child or some other moments like that. So we have kind of like two storylines going on at the same time, which I really liked because when they go back to his childhood and stuff, I just feel like his awkwardness at uh, Jeremy Render Doves is, is just dead on. It's perfect. He, he's, and also kind of the oddball stuff that Dahmer would say that we heard he said, you know, just those off the wall kind of creepy things. His dad is actually played by Bruce Davidson, who played kind of a, a kind of a crazy character in Willard. He's in a bunch of other things. He's a really good actor and he, he's perfect fit for his father. I actually think that the interactions between him and his father are great. And like I said, with the flashbacks, we see all these moments that we've read about, about Dahmer for years, about him going in the woods. We see that anger, that frustration, and we also see that awkwardness. I feel like it makes our, it paints a real three-dimensional character in Dahmer in this movie. And like I said, the, the um, I keep saying, like I said, it's driving me nuts, so it must be killing you guys. But in the modern day, or the modern day of this film, it kind of uh, is, is told through this um, character that he's kind of picks up and and you know obviously he's going to be a would-be victim but this character is a little bit different and they start to talk and you learn more about Dahmer and this is a lot of the time when these kind of flashbacks kind of happen but uh anyways the acting's really great and that's kind of what you really need for this kind of thing um like I said the actor plays Dahmer we all know him but uh, the other kind of lead actor in here too I, I don't know his name the the young uh the the real skinny African-American guy he's also tremendous and uh he just it just it also paints this picture of his world, his apartment, and all those kind of things. Um, when that um, murders happen, they're fairly disturbing. There is a couple moments of you know blood and everything like that. But this movie isn't set out to be an all-out gore fest exploitation movie. But there is some disturbing moments. Really, it's kind of driven by the the performances in here and the actual kind of cur like events that happen and how they how they're told. You know that we we're sucked into this story and we see the flashbacks and everything like that. And for any Anybody that knows the case to a certain extent, I think that this would be, you know, probably the most accurate out of all the, the Dahmer movies. And the weird thing about the Dahmer films is we see a lot of these movies are just absolutely awful when they do a serial killer film. But my friend Dahmer, Dahmer, and The Secret Life of Jeffrey Dahmer, which is a very low budget, uh, are all pretty good, if, if I remember correctly. I remember thinking my friend Dahmer was a, a good movie, and I think this one's pretty great. And uh, for what it is, The Secret Life of Jeffrey Dahmer, I remember being, you know, very cheap and, and more exploitative. But still, it seems like all these characters at least have some pay, uh, pathos in Dahmer's character. You know, they don't just play him like um, a, a serial killer, like Michael Myers or something, like a, a fictional one. They're actually is legitimate acting within them of all of course varying in budgets but anyways um it looks really good it sounds good the soundtrack's great in this movie too there's a lot of needle drops that people will know but uh yeah anyways it's just really well made really good storytelling and everything like that um it is on a disturbing subject matter though it might bother some people of course uh so yeah anyways uh, i think it's a great movie great performance and uh just like everything about it from the sets and how it's filmed and the lighting and everything too so anyways check this one out there's an archival featurette and some you know storyboard comparisons and stuff like that but yeah that's mvd marquee request uh release and there's no no new features i don't think but still it's a it's a nice upgrade for sure You never heard anyone before? No. Never? Everyone knows his name. But no one knows the man. You okay? I feel so good. 
what's in those bags? Clippings from the garden. Behind his smile. Why are you following me? Why are you so paranoid? Behind his silence. Your grandmother says that you have a mannequin or something in your closet. Behind the legend lies the truth of Jeffrey Dahmer. Where's the key, Jeff? It was empty when I found it. My friend, John, was just taking him home. No, he is not his friend. He told me something. Now, this is my goddamn box. I want to see what's inside of it. Then I won't report you this time. But if I come across the two of you again, I'm going to haul you in. But you don't have to worry about that, sir. We're going to behave ourselves. I know about these kind of problems, son. You're going to need some help. Nothing you have heard can prepare you for the true story that shocked the world. I am a pervert, an exhibitionist, a masturbator, and a killer. Starring Jeremy Renner and Bruce Davidson. Discover the madness inside the mind of... Dahmer. Okay, this next one here is from Full Moon Features, and this is Necropolis Legion. And this is actually by, um, who's the guy? He used to be an editor, Chris Alexander. He was an editor for Fangoria, and he did a few of these kind of like slow burn, inspired by Italian films, you know, like Female Werewolf and Queen of Blood. Really slow burn, minimalistic stories, kind of, you know, John Rowland made movies for 10 cents. Uh, that's pretty much what he kind of was doing. And so this is one of the big tens that came out last year, where uh, Charles Band had like 10 properties and he had people or 10 films most of some of them were pre-established properties but some of them weren't 10 films kind of made on a super budget by independent filmmakers one of which was Ouija's Men which I absolutely hated but uh, Necropolis Legion this was actually a sequel or a retelling or reimagining or whatever the hell you want to call it of the 80s movie Necropolis which I actually have a poster for great poster okay movie <laughs> but anyways I only mentioned the poster because it's probably a, it's a poster I've always adored and, uh, yeah, so it's, it's a really cool poster. It's one of those ones that sucks you in. It's a better poster than a movie. And title as well. So it's a good movie to kind of remake or retell or anything like that. So this is basically, um, if you're familiar with Chris Alexander's movies, this is very much a Chris Alexander movie. There's minimalistic story. It feels honestly like the if you were to relay the story, you could tell it in five minutes to somebody, but the movie's, you know, like 70 minutes. It's not a very long movie, which is good because there's not much story here. It's mostly about, you know, how it's made on an artistic level and kind of, people losing their minds and all this kind of psychedelic stuff psychedelic stuff here so there's this writer who wants to do some research on the subject of this old witch um that i believe she was burned at the stake years ago and uh, so she goes by, moves into the area to do some more research. And of course, that old witch is kind of trying to take her over. Lynn Lawry's in here from a bunch of stuff like I Drink Your Blood and um, The Crazies and a slew of other things. And she's kind of like the red herring, like, don't do this. So uh, the opening up, we get the old scene of the witch and being carried out and everything like that. And then pretty much the whole rest of the movie is this woman moving into the place and kind of seeing weird images and being overtaken and things like that. The one thing they do continue from the original Necropolis 
is the um, I guess I don't know how to put this the um, the <laughs> breast whore breast whore because in the original there is a scene with six nipples I'll just leave it at that and that's pretty much the selling point on that movie it's by far the best scene in the film and you're just kind of shocked that it's in there um, they do carry kind of the crazy breast stuff in here which I actually thought was kind of cool that they did that because without it I don't think it's Necropolis at all so um, I do wish there was some zombie minions like the original but we don't have that anyways uh, it's a super low budget movie and like I said like he, he seems like his main inspirations are guys like Jess Franco and uh, John Roland or Jean Ro John Roland so I do think that um, especially to the less the latter director there when you're gonna make a movie like that you need kind of um, at least a certain budget because his films look gorgeous, okay? Like Lips of Blood and Fascination, and those movies look great. So um, even on digital, on a low budget, you can never really recapture that stuff as well. So um, like I said, it ends up being okay. Um, there's not any amazing special effects or anything like that, except maybe the crazy breast whore. But um, it, it's just a little lackluster and very minimalistic in terms of story and you know effects and things like that. It's not absolutely horrible. I think it's better than the Ouija's. It's just not something that I can could wholeheartedly recommend to be honest but um i, I do i did kind of like queen of blood if i remember correctly i thought i was okay on that one and i haven't watched his other ones uh, either but um so if, if so if you're interested in his films then uh then this one's probably right up your alley if you're a fan already that should never be spoken of, never be written about. Appreciate you coming. I love your book. Thank you. There are those stories that have never been heard. Some of it just handed down from family to family for generations. And some of it never written down. Born evil. I think there's darkness out there that locks down on the natural world. And I think once it does, it's really hard to escape. She's coming back. Okay, this next one here is 1031 Part 2. Good, good, you know, Halloween watch in here. If you guys haven't seen the first one, this is a Halloween anthology with, like, a bunch of different directors. Okay, um, the problem with watching a lot of anthologies in a week, if you've seen the thumbnail, I watched three uh, Halloween anthologies this week. Or not Halloween, but three um, anthologies, very kind of in the spirit of Halloween and stuff like that, I would say, two of them for sure. So this is going to be a little rough to recall every little detail here. This one has five stories. It opens up with a bunch of fake trailers, and some of them I was like, are these fake or not? Because, you know, a lot of different low-budget movies and everything like that, you never can tell nowadays. I thought they were mostly fake, but uh, they were fake later to find out. So I guess that's a, a problem to them or a, a hit on some new movies I don't know whatever you guys want to say but uh, anyway so there's five stories here hopefully I tell them in order 
The first story is kind of like a babysitter cult-like story. Um, and I do have this complaint. I know that years ago, when you were going to like use an, a Halloween cult and everything like that, you basically everybody called him Samhain. Okay? We understand that's just kind of the lamest terms for it, but it's Samhain, right? We all know it's Samhain now. So if you're right, making a movie, I know, does Halloween 3 use Samhain or is it use Samhain? Probably uses Samhain, but that's so long ago. Like, I made that mistake once saying Sam Hain like 10 years ago and somebody's like, it's actually saw one. And I was like, oh, thank you. Thank you for letting me know that. And I know that they're probably thinking, okay, screw it. Everybody knows it as Sam Hain, so we're going to call it that, but it's saw one. And you're making a movie where cult people are talking about it and saying it. Don't fucking say saw one. Um, and it's Sam Hain. Why? Like, I'm supposed to believe these cultists are serious business if they don't even say, like, just once I want to see it like that. <laughs> okay? But anyways, that's a nitpick. Whatever. And they probably figured maybe people wouldn't know what they were talking about, but oh well. They gotta learn sometime. Okay, so anyways, this babysitter, her and her boyfriend are watching this kid. This kid's supposed to be really strange and weird, and he starts to mess with them. We think it's going to be one thing, but there's, of course, a twist because I mentioned some sort of cult. This one, I didn't particularly love it um, because it's uh, there's no such thing as coincidence in this movie, uh, in this short. So it just... I don't know. It's not horrible, but it's not really for me. Um, then there is, I believe, Deadlift is the next one that pops up. And I thought this one was really great. This is about kind of an Uber driver who's kind of a miserable prick. It's Halloween. He's just, you know, doesn't really value his life. He's always just kind of going through the motions. His girlfriend calls. She's excited about Halloween. He's like, I'm going to keep, keep working. I'll, okay, I'll, I'll make one last pickup. He ends up picking up this guy dressed in a vampire costume. Or is it a costume? That's right, we're doing that. But, uh, so anyways, I thought the lighting was pretty good in this. And the, the, the show stealer is the guy who plays the vampire in the back seat. Or... Is he a vampire? That's right. Um, so anyways, he's got a voice that's very similar to Donald Sutherland, which, love his voice. So anyways, they start to talk, and pretty soon, this guy in the back... Um, or is he a vampire? Stop. I can't, I gotta stop doing that. Um, he starts to talk in his brain, you know, uh telepathically there we go get that word out it's a big word dave it's more than a couple syllables in it so he ends up spitting that out and getting in his head and he starts to freak out obviously and he starts to you know basically hint more at certain things and tell these stories which one of which he tells a great story about the monsters fighting and he mentions the mummy and everything I love that the dialogue's really good and he's tremendous in the movie so eventually one thing leads to another and he has to make a decision um i really like this one i thought it was a good short um made on a budget with minimal locations uh that's the way you do it i think and i thought it was very effective and i really liked it good dialogue and everything like that great short um then we have um there's five shorts in here this one is a very short it's kind of a slasher parody apache horror something like that by the guy who did bong of the living dead and again i will say this and i feel bad about it you know comedy subjective not very funny to me very obnoxious, very short, and very fast-paced. By the time I would have got into it, it was over. Did not like this one at all. Um, there's some gore and some, uh, you know, but not very much. It's just kind of over-the-top, purposely goofy acting. It's not my thing. Not my thing at all. Some people will eat it up. I will not have anything of it. You know, it's not my thing. Not for me. Um, then uh, the next one here is um, Sister Mary, which is more of a psychological slower one. Um, this one probably will attract people that like kind of more, you know, like psychological horror films with kind of like a, you know, it has a weird story structure where we're seeing like two different timelines going on and we see kind of like the reveals and everything. This one's fairly well made, fairly decent, uh, decently acted. I thought this one was pretty, pretty okay, you know. And the final one, I believe this one is the final one called Overkill. 
steals the show. And at first, um, this is, uh, I believe, Drew Marvick, who did Bloodbath, uh, what is that, uh, Bloodbath uh, Pool Party. Pool Party Massacre. That's the one. I'm sorry. It's too many titles in the head. Letters so weird and off the wall like that. So anyways, this one's overkill. And this one, these are all very low budget. And, you know, the quality will range between them a little bit. So this one right here basically is your typical kind of, you know, making statements on slasher movies, yada, yada, yada kind of deal. And while I was watching this one, I was like, okay, we're meta here. And I'm going to be honest, most of the time this meta stuff just burns me out. I'm tired of it. We never, ever, ever, I feel 75% of the time watching them, we never, ever need to see another meta slasher movie ever again. You're not Scream. You're not going to be behind the mask. You're not even going to be on Mask Part 25. You're not going to get it. So stop it. it, it it's It's... And I know people are like, Scream, save the horror genre. <laughs> I feel like um, Pelagwin in Nightbreed, um, he hasn't saved us, he's destroyed us. <laughs> if that makes any sense to anyone there. But um, although it's not bad, Scream, of course, is great. But, um, you know, the things that came after became very annoying to me. And that's not the movie's fault, regardless, you know. Kind of like how everybody thought they were being possessed after The Exorcist came out. Okay, you're possessed now. But anyways, this one here. It starts off very typical. We have like the, a couple getting dressed up to go, you know, to a Halloween party. They're like, I'm the council or I'm the sexy, uh, you know, slasher, you know, cannon fodder, whatever. So you're like, okay, we're going to do this. The killer shows up. He's kind of a cross between Michael Myers and Jason Voorhees, you know, silent, big type. And he kills them. And I was like, okay, so we're just going to see a, a typical slasher movie on Halloween. I'm down. Why not? You know, and it's going to be self-aware. Okay, whatever. I'm enjoying this one so far. So then we get to this point in the movie where the meta-ness is actually hilarious to me, and it actually works. So we have um, this girl kind of babysitting. Of course, she's babysitting. She starts dancing, or she's I, I, she's doing something. She's dancing and hanging around. Um, and basically, we see the killer watching her dance outside. And then all of a sudden, in the other side of the frame, we see another kind of glimpse of a guy. And I was like, wait, did a crew member just stand there and they filmed him? I literally was like, come on, guys. You know, it's not a big deal, but come on. And then they show him more. And I realized it's an actor I actually know, a character, kind of actor in a little bunch of films. Dave McMahon, I think he is. He's stuff in, um, what's, he's in, um, oh, geez, what's the uh, American Guinea Pig movie, The Song of Solomon, the, so the Song of Solomon by On Earth, you know, Stephen Bureau's movie. He's in that as one of the priests. So I see him in here, and then he, he's kind of like dressed up like a dorky, kind of nerdy guy. You know, the typical kind of person you'd be like, well, that dude's a petter ass. So anyways... Soon enough, he notices that the Voorhees Myers character is standing there. And he says, wait a minute, buddy. He starts to get really aggressive and argue with him about this kill is mine. I've been here all day. And he starts yelling at him. And he keeps backtracking and going <laughs> and backtracking and everything. And the dialogue here is hilarious. And the killer's just standing there. There's more little funny things that pop out here and there. And actually, this was, as a feature, it would wear out its welcome. But as a short... It really worked for me. Um, and this, like, I just got done complaining about meta shit, but this one actually cracked me up. Really enjoyed it. Thought it was really kind of cute. And, uh, uh, yeah, I, I like this one the best. And I, I thought it was very funny. And that whole performance, that back and forth was just great. And, uh, that little scene in there and everything. So I would recommend this one. You know, I mean, like I said, there's five shorts in here and some fake trailers. Some of the fake trailers, you know, hit and miss, whatever. Mostly ridiculous movies, of course, like um, Sasquatch, Truck Squash, or some shit like that. Just nonsense, but you know what it is. They're supposed to be fake, ridiculous movies, and why not go big for those, for sure. So like I said, out of the five shorts, 
two I would say no, one I would say maybe, and two I would say go for. So, you know, like I said, anthologies mixed bag. So anyways, that is 1031 part two with Scream Team releasing. Yeah. Welcome back to my Halloween Monster Marathon. The last day of October is upon us. That's right, today is All Hallows Eve. Where creatures lurk in the shadows awaiting trick-or-treaters to leave their houses. Be careful of who may be lurking around the corner. You never know what may steal the life from out of you. everyone make it out alive? We can only hope they don't. Okay, this one here I watched on Shudder, and it is The Scare Package. Let's see if I can remember every short in here. I feel like I won't. Um, every... So this one, as a whole, let's just say I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was pretty cool. But it's an anthology, and it opens up with kind of a strange like wraparound where we have this character we thinks the main character, and he starts talking about a script, and this other guy tells him that's garbage, and we kind of go and, and see what his deal is. And this character comes, toward, comes in and plays in the end. His whole arc I thought was a little strange, and it kind of worked his whole storyline. It's okay. Um, this kind of short folds out and everything. And I'm just a little iffy on it. Again, it was meta. And this is the one where I said, um, if I never saw, because I just got done watching 1031 and I was like, I'll, I, I, you know, I usually don't like the meta stuff. And then after watching this short, I was like, I'd be happy if I never had to see another meta horror movie again. That's what I said after watching this short, just for a second. Um, although I don't absolutely hate it, but it's just one of the weaker shorts in here. So then we cut to the actual wraparound, which is both of these are kind of wraparounds. It's kind of strange how they did that. A little bit clever, some would say. So so the main wraparound is this guy who works in a video store. Um, and he was the one giving the guy a ride who's unfolded his story. And he, he, um, works in this video store, he runs this place, and there's this kind of annoying customer that a know-it-all nerd movie fan, probably like myself or some other one of you guys or something like that, hopefully not. But anyways, um, he's kind of looking for a new hire, and this young kid comes in, and he gives him the job on the spot just to piss off the other guy and get help. So um, basically, he starts to you know lay down the rules and everything like that, and the, the performance by the guy who runs the video store is really funny. He's really great. He's got this little mustache. He's actually one of the better parts of the movie. I thought he was really funny. He cracked me up douchebag so basically he's going through the video store which um nostalgia nuts will go nuts for you know video stores we love them right so anyways uh, they start to watch some of the tapes on the shelf um now let's see if i can remember every single tape on here there's at least three that i will recall or two so 
I said, I know that's bad, right? Like, it's like, come on, Dave, you got to remember all these, but I can't remember every single, okay, there's three I remember now. And this always happens with anthologies. I really just need to have a notepad. But then again, if I don't remember every single detail about every single shortened anthology, maybe it's not worth remembering. I, I don't want to be rude because I did enjoy this one. So the first one ends up being this weird meta slasher movie again, which again, the meta stuff is kind of stupid at the same time. But, um, at certain points, I laughed out loud because how ridiculous it is. So we open up. It's a bunch of kids going camping, stereotypical, annoying, obnoxious stock characters that they think are in these movies that possibly aren't. So anyways, right off the bat, we're worried about a, a, this guy comes running out and he's like, don't touch me. You guys got to kill me or give me silver before I start transforming. And they're like, what are you talking about? So Anyways, what happens is this guy starts to melt, incredible melting man style, super gory, super nasty, melting into a nasty pile. He's like, put silver on me so it will stop. Um, this one guy has silver handcuffs, latches them on, and they're like, how come you had handcuffs? Turned out to be a mad slasher. Shit goes crazy, right? We have all these weird kind of horror tropes and things going on. It becomes this gory slasher, melting man, weird shit. It's actually pretty funny, pretty gross, pretty silly, very gory, very gory. Um, the next story I think is in this order is about a guy who seems like he's one of these men's rights kind of group kind of guys. And, uh, you know, it's played by Noah Segan and he ends up, you know, um, kind of going out and feeling, you know, useless. We get the impression that he does and he goes and joins this man like uh, man's rights groups full of a bunch of nerds. And uh, And there's a twist, of course. This one, not for me. I didn't think it was very funny. It was kind of short and just not very effective. There were some gore scenes and stuff like that, but um, this is the weakest of the, the movie, I would say, for sure. Um, the next story is absolutely ridiculous, and they do a great gag where the category of film it's actually in. There's probably like 10 other shorts in this. That I just everything in here it's like so crowded in i can't remember every short in here but so then the next short that comes to mind or i think we're talking about is the one with uh it's it's in this weird subgenre category which absolutely cracked me up um but i don't want to spoil the gag so anyways this tape is just so bizarre and weird it's kind of i guess a, a modern retelling of onibaba or something like that onibaba the japanese movie involving the haunted mask so these kids steal something these teenage girls steal something they shouldn't and uh it comes back to bite them in the ass or on the face because it involves the candy and a mask and it's really weird and really strange and um actually kind of enjoyed this one but uh as as the wraparound comes to a close it ends up turning into this big huge slasher movie where everybody's in there and they point out all the tropes again and our main character our main character here the video store you know guru guy not that not the nerdy guru guy the owner who's also a horror guru kind of like uh, knows he's in a horror movie and he's like hey he starts pointing out the tropes and everything like that we have amazing cameo in here and we have a crazy mad slasher who has a pretty cool backstory played by wrestler um dustin rose you know gold dust so uh yeah so this one's also super gory and kind of fun kind of enjoyed it as a whole i would check out the scare package pretty decent stuff um it's on shutter and i know i missed a couple stories in here i just had to um and of course you know the wraparound comes around again as well i think um the first part of the wraparound so yeah Cold opener. You only have a few minutes to put all the pieces in place. This is the best house on the market. Trust me. It just seems too good to be true. What would happen in a horror movie now? <laughs> Everyone I care about ends up dead. As if it wasn't bad enough that we're babysitting on Halloween. That's what they were doing back there. Tess. The engine will not start in 1718. It's the devil's lake impaler. 
not over. He can still come back. I'm pretty sure something bad happened here. You don't understand! <laughs> you have to kill me! Now! You okay? Pick it up. Hitchhikers is dangerous business. That's how horror movies start. It's like you're having a rough night. It's 11 a.m. Hi, I'm hunting a creature. Well, a man. Maybe you've seen him? How are we gonna fix this? I'd like to rent a wood chipper. We are in a horror movie! Nobody? Horror. Horror movie. Okay, this next one, another anthology, also on Shudder. This one is called The Mortuary Collection, uh, starring Clancy Brown. That's right. Um, so uh, this one right here, let me just get uh, my overall thoughts. Set design, setting, um, you know, town creation, mythology, it's all here. Love it. And it's got to be a New England town. Feels like a Lovecraftian town. In any ways, Clancy Brown runs this mortuary. He looks a lot like the tall man from the Phantasm movies. And basically, he, you know, he, he holds all these, you know, the funeral home and does a whole bunch of stuff like that. So he has a sign out there that says, now hiring. This young girl shows up looking for the job. And they go back and forth a little bit and start telling stories. Actually, her. Um, this director Ryan Spindle on a podcast Rebecca McKendry and uh, Ella Kane's new podcast which is great by the way make sure it's uh, what is it All the Colors of the Dark or All the Colors you know it's a take on the Dar uh, Sergio Martino movie um, subscribe to that because I thought it was great so I heard him on the podcast and he basically mentioned that he really wanted to make the wraparound one of the best stories in the anthology because it's so often the worst and i gotta say the wraparound here is great clancy brown has so much chemistry with the um young actors here i can't think of her name but they go back and forth so at first you know and there's a story being told there too as well and of course a twist within the wraparound which becomes a very good story in itself so um the first story starts off small she tells uh he tells her the story about um this uh, woman who, you know, basically is stealing something. It's, it's you know, it's a come up at story, a morality tale, as most of these things are. And they're all period pieces taking place, I want to say, in different times, but mostly definitely in the past. And when they go in the past, man, the production value's great. The the color palette's great. I love the lighting. It, it's just gorgeous looking. It looks so Halloween to me. It looks so, like, fun gothic. I don't know how to explain that. Fun gothic, but the colors pop. The acting pops. The, the um, costumes pop. The gore's great. This is a really tremendous 2020 movie here. I, I just thought it was really good stuff. So, like I said, the first story is a morality tale, some Lovecrafty and spice in it. The second one is, they're all morality tales. <laughs> all just comeuppets and just desserts, right? Aren't all anthology short stories or Tales in the Crypt or Tales in the Dark Side or Twilight Zone to a certain extent? All kind of morality tales. to a, So, basically the first one's about a thief who gets some Lovecraftian comeuppets. The second one is about um, a, a 
past fuckboy who doesn't take um, his own false advice. So this one opens up. It's great. He's out there talking about, you know, uh, getting these women, basically trying to get laid in the ultimate way by basically saying, I'm a, I'm a I'm, you feminist, need to take these condoms and take charge of your sex life, yada, yada, yada. So you can, um, this guy is a complete douchebag. Like, he, he's the equivalent to, you know, the guy who learns how to play, like, slow guitar music just to have get laid. And I feel like the internet is like the heyday of people out there nowadays who just, I don't want to say that, I shouldn't say this. There's just so many people that just do, I feel like 90% of their actions are just to get laid. And like, and that's like 50% of the people out there. I know that sounds shitty and I shouldn't say that, but that's just sometimes how I feel. But this guy feels like the equivalent of a guy who plays music he doesn't like just to get laid um, on a guitar. And it's always acute, acoustic, you know what I'm saying. Maybe, you know, so there we go. Um, but he's just a overall kind of piece of crap. And he ends up having a one-night stand with a very strange girl. And it backfires. And I, I, this one kind of is definitely a tale where it reverses everything on its head and puts the male in the female's position. And what the most screwed up thing that possible could happen, even though it really couldn't happen. But you, you understand what's going on. And it has some uh, horrible, horrible genital mutilation going on. This one's pretty fun, pretty enjoyable, liked it quite a bit. Um, the next story is my favorite. And this one is a story that I think a lot of people can relate to, um, having to take care of someone who's not, you know, all their mental capacities are all gone. So um, right here, we have this guy who is taking care of his wife. Um, and she's been, you know, she has a, a debilitating disease where she's just mesmerized mentally are not there he's physically got to take care of her he's going broke their apartment's just terrible and he's just miserable and he just hates his life and he has no life and it just makes him very very sad he lives in this kind of rundown apartment where the elevator's not very good and things like that so anyways just great performances here um and the opening is so haunting and beautiful it takes place it shows this wedding unfold and and the wedding is obviously kind of it starts off beautiful and it gets real dark when the shadow comes over and it's definitely a big allegory for maybe getting old or just somebody you know just like that but um things change or loving someone no longer feeling the same way about them anyways just beautiful so anyways he decides to do something that he probably shouldn't very tales in the crip episode here um in fact there's actually an actor who's in all of them that keeps popping up which i love seeing i, I like that gimmick that there's an actor who's in all of them even the rapper on so anyways so what happens is uh you know he does something he's going to regret and that elevator comes into play uh of course you know it always is getting stuck and he doesn't like him but he took it anyways because he was desperate and um you know he starts to hallucinate and things like that anyways love this story really great stuff uh again set design on point acting on point uh message on point great stuff so after that we cut back to the final story and of course the girl has a story for our um you know mortician and uh it's the body that's going to be uh you know cremated so she starts to tell the story and of course there's a twist there's a a turn here and not all things are as they appear of course with these movies but i thought this one was uh pretty decent pretty good um you know it's it i would this one is not as strong as the middle two but it might be better than the first one just because the first one's so short but the first one also had reminded me very much of like the uh the dead alive um how everybody in the 50s late 50s and everything like that kind of look and everything love it so um 
this one I thought was pretty decent. It ties directly into uh, the wraparound. And this is open for a sequel, and I like how this one ends. Like I said, great movie. Definitely a contender for top 10 of this year for me. Just love it. Uh, check it out on Shudder. And if you don't have Shudder, what are you doing? Um, Scare Package is on Shudder. This is on Shudder. There's some other ones I'm going to be covering that are on Shudder. So, yeah, Shudder's just great. And I'm not being paid by Shudder. I'm not getting any kickbacks or anything like that. I don't think they'd waste their time on small fries like me. But still... Just great, and this one's a top-notch movie, and especially perfect for Halloween. So check it out. This poor soul's journey has come to an end. From dust we started, to dust we return. Every corpse tells a story. It is our task to listen. So these are all stories about how people died. Some tales even I find too unsettling to recount. She's dead! You gotta get that body out of your apartment. Keep your doors locked tonight and keep an eye out for crazies. Monsters! That's pretty cool. Yes, it is, isn't it? Okay, this next one I'm going to be very brief with. It is also on Shutter. It is called Spiral. No, no, not the new Saw Spiral. This one is a, a 2020 horror film. Uh, this one takes place in, what, 1995. And it follows a gay couple who move into a small town. And uh, the main character here, I can't think of his name, he has some obviously traumatic points in his life. We, we kind of established that right away. And throughout the movie, these flashes of what happened to him and one of his boyfriends come to light. And uh, so, yeah, basically him and his little bit older boyfriend and his... Um, his, his boyfriend's daughter move into this new town. Uh, he's a writer. He's kind of working on this... Um He's like a ghostwriter, and he's working on this bigoted assholes kind of thing. Who who's like one of these guys that you know very anti-gay, very anti anything that's out of the ordinary for a family, American ordinary, whatever you want to call it. So uh, basically, he's kind of like very kind of annoyed by that. But then he also starts to notice some weird things going on. You know, people kind of screwing with the house within the first couple of days or the first night staying there. Someone sneaks in and writes faggots on the wall. I know people don't like hearing that word, so I'm sorry for saying it, but that's what's on the wall. And if I just basically, you know, beat around the bush and say the F word with the gay term or something, you still know exactly what I'm saying. So they write that on the wall and uh, he covers it up, but he's still obviously bothered by it. So he starts to do some research and we kind of look around this town and they have like this, you know, perfect quality about it. And there's just something under the surface. We obviously know what's going on with something going on there. So very typical in that aspect. Um, his husband doesn't really buy by believe him or buy into anything that he's saying 
And uh, he starts to do some research and everything like that, and his reality starts to slip, and we really don't know what to expect. He's spiraling out of control, but they also use a little spiral, uh, you know, you know, icon there too for what this group is. But um, without spoiling too much, uh, you know, it definitely unfolds, and there is something going on. I, I don't want to spoil too much. Like I said, the acting's solid. It looks good. I really like how the flashback is is told and how it looks, and the reveal there involving the flashback is very obvious. I don't think it's really supposed to surprise anyone. I, at least I hope it's not, because it's too obvious what that's going to do um, with the character on the phone and everything like that. That's just like very a crazy person one-on-one kind of deal. But uh, yeah, like it's a well-made, well-acted movie. It just didn't do very much for me. Like it's a little better than average just on terms of quality filmmaking and everything. But it's just kind of, a, it's a, it, I don't want to say it's meandering, but it feels like it is in the middle a little bit. Anyways, um, they do show, you know, a gay couple that I would say they're normal, but they're, I mean, I'm like not in terms like they fight a lot and everything like that. And that's, yes, a lot of normal couples like that. So they're fairly happy. So it's nice to see like semi not stereotypical typical characters because there's a lot of gay stereotypical characters that are only in the movie for comic relief or just like the um you know the butt of an, the butt end of all the jokes and stuff like that and they're not necessarily that so that's that's kind of a plus you know i like seeing um character types or you know that are you know people usually use for certain things kind of switched up and changed you know i'm a, i've always been a big fan of the like evil gay character from like the disney movies i just love those characters i think like the, like i know people are like that's negative reinforcement it's like yeah but those are everybody's favorite characters like, like the guy from Fire and Ice and like Scar from Lion King, like I, those are like everybody's favorite characters in those movies. They're awesome. They're quotable. Like I know they're bad guys, but most people like the bad guys anyway. So whatever. I, I know maybe I'm getting off and ranting on whatever, but I just don't see the big deal in that kind of thing. Um, anyways, uh, this one I thought was okay. Um, if, if you're interested, check it out. It is well made. There's nothing f like wrong with it in that technical term. It's just the story is not something that super intrigues me that much. It's my first night there. I see this guy, and I was terrified. Your dad. <laughs> Believe me, choosing to live your life loud and proud is about the bravest thing you can do in this world. That robot's pretty good. I'm Tiffany, your new neighbor. I'm Aaron. This is my partner. Hi. Wow. I'm just so happy we have some fresh faces in the neighborhood. Love is all that matters. I'm not sure most people would actually agree with that. I find it disgusting how false stereotypes shape public opinion. Aaron, last night... I think I saw something. There's something not right about this place. What are you talking about? There was a couple that were killed 10 years ago. They knew, and they didn't say anything. You need to stop thinking that everyone's trying to get you all the time. Marshall and Tiffany are good people. Well, to new neighbors. New neighbors. We've been chosen. Chosen for what? Some kind of ritual every 10 years they make a selection. Do you see that? We're the selection.
Okay, this next one's going to be very quick as well. It's on Netflix, and it's Hubie, or Hubie Halloween. That's right, the Adam Sandler movie. And let me say this, growing up, you know, I was an SNL kid. I watched Adam Sandler and Chris Farley and all those guys um, religiously. Me and my family, my cousins, we all loved them. You know what I mean? We loved them to death. So as I got older, you know, I got the too cool for school after stuff like, you know, right after like Little Nicky, I'm like, Adam Sandler just sucks. He's not funny anymore. And that's just because you're at a certain age where you're like, you're too embarrassed to laugh at the really stupid stuff you think you're too cool it's either that or his movies were actually really bad maybe objectively they are bad but as i got older i just like stopped caring so then like when uncut gems came out i was like oh cool adam sandler because i like adam sandler you know he's one of those actors that i always loved i wanted to like his stuff it's just i gave him a couple you know those couple movies just really weren't for me so when uncut gems came out i was great movie great performance i was like yeah man and he had that special i, I watched the song he sung about farley it's just like kind of brought back some memories and nostalgia and everything like that so when um hubie halloween was coming out i was like oh it's like uh version of Ernest, which i Ernest scared stupid which i absolutely adored and adam sandler's playing that character type so I was in, you know, I wanted to check it out. It's a perfect kind of Halloween thing. And I know there's a lot of people like, this is stupid, man. This is too dumb. It's like, yeah, man, you know what it is? It's a family Halloween movie that has a lot of dumb Adam Sandler jokes in it. And you know exactly what you're getting into. And if you're not in the right mindset for that, you're going to turn it off right away. But I'm sorry. I, I go, maybe my brain has grown dull. Maybe it's always been dull. Maybe I'm just embracing that. I don't care if I like an Adam Sandler movie anymore. Okay. And I enjoyed it. I'm going to say I, I, the movie's filled with cameos and I'm a cameo sucker. A lot of shout-outs to old films, which cracked me up. Within the first five minutes, I was like, yeah, that's right. Um, I still quote the movie that that uh, had a shout-out to, to this day, to co-workers or anything like that. I know that's like, oh, that's douchebaggery, but it's funny to me. It, it's always, and it's embedded in my head. I don't know. I just love that scene in the original movie. But all these shout-outs and everything and these cameos of all these actors, and I don't want to give you a rundown because 90% of the fun of this movie is literally just seeing the cameos pop up. But Adam Sandler is absolutely ridiculous. You know, he's the guy who invented, like, a thermos that has everything crazy about it, which is another Ernest thing where Ernest could invent shit, like his weird, dumb, like, cleaning mechanism and Ernest scared stupid. But anyways... I enjoyed myself. I laughed at quite a bit of the jokes, and there's this gag where every time he drives by, the kids always throw things at him, and people throw things at him, and they progressively get crazier. Like, there's cinder blocks flying at tubas and, like, violent things, and he's a per he dodges everything. But anyways, I enjoy the movie. I think it's fun. I think it's got a decent Halloween atmosphere. There's a lot of needle drops. Every Halloween song you can think of is in here because it's Adam Sandler's Netflix, and they got the money to do it. So, uh, yeah, there's lots of stuff like that. There's lots of Halloween decorations. So, we don't really get to see that many too, too many big-budgeted Halloween fun movies, and I'm glad, you know, these guys decided to do one. Um, there is some things towards the end that are just a little bit too stupid for me, you know. Um, there, there was a couple points when I was like, that's just too dumb for me. But by then, I was already invested enough to enjoy myself. So that is Hubie Halloween. I really liked it, you know. It is what it is. You know exactly what it is. Watch the first ten minutes if you're like, I can't do this. Then then turn it off. But if you're like, I'm, I'm liking this, finish it out. I think you'll enjoy yourself. Well, hello, my ghouls and goblins. I know you've got your costumes picked out for the frightful festivities. And I hope you all get more treats than tricks. I don't want your partner. Is he a good guy? Hubie Dubois is the nicest guy in this town. Here is some happy Halloween word searches. You can pass it out to the kids. Thank you so much. As a trained volunteer, I know what it's like when the spooky fun gets out of hand. 
of easy things. No, no, no. The supermarket selling expired bacon. Janet at the library has not been herself lately. I heard a voice in the sewer. I'm sorry, I didn't recognize him. It's pretty impressive how long he's been a loser. Messing with Shuby Dubois. Murder! Ah! A Salem tradition. <laughs> you gotta expect a scare here or there. There's something off in this town. Ah! Mr. Lambert? Oh. Mr. Lambert? <gasps> Is that you? Salem PD? Yeah, so obviously, this is Hubie Dubois. Salem needs me. When you're a stranger, faces look good. Salem needs me. When you're what are you going to do, Mr. Dubois? We're going to do every October 31st. Make sure every citizen is protected. No one in Salem is safe tonight. So would you lose your thermos? Oh, that'll never happen. Anyway. We got an unsolved mystery here. Oh. Shoot I know who did this. Not now, UB. There. I suggest we cancel Halloween immediately. We ain't canceling our damn thing. <laughs> <laughs> this is some Dateline NBC shit. People are strange. People are strange. People are strange. <laughs> you're the best person I know. That's why you're a hero. Okay, the next one here is Before the Fire from Dark Sky Films. And, uh, you know, I thought this one was decent enough. Uh, it's a 2020 movie. And this must have been made during the uh, whole COVID deal. Or right before, because if they made it before, they are psychic. So anyways, there is this virus going down. There's this Hollywood actress who stars in kind of this B, B-grade kind of show. <laughs> and her boyfriend, who's a journalist, decides that she's got to get out of L.A. we got to get you out of L.A. He sends her on a plane against her w uh, wishes to his, you know, small town home in kind of rural nowhere. She doesn't really get along with uh, his, his her husband's family, but she's stuck there anyways. Um, it's getting real bad. The mail system is all shutting down, and it looks like some weird militia starting to form there. <clears throat> um, pretty soon enough... <coughs> sorry, <coughs> I got a frog in my throat. Pretty soon enough, there is some tension between um, the family and uh, the militia and everything like that. And it turns out that um, her actual family lives there too, and she has a lot of turmoil with them, which makes her boyfriend kind of a moron to send her back to her old hometown where her family is also from, and her family is also very violent. You're like, that guy's not very smart now, is he? But uh, anyways, what happens is, you know, she's got to earn her spot in the family and earn the family's respect. After she does that, you know, the situations have gotten worse, and there's pretty much hopeless, and, you know, there's... There's going to be, you know, uh, in these kind of situations, everybody knows that man is the monster. So uh, there's definitely some things going back and forth. What's really weird to me is everybody has this, like, uh, they're worried about this pandemic, but nobody's wearing masks. And I got to assume that they don't call it COVID on purpose because nobody's wearing masks and they don't want to, you know, date it or anything like that. But 
maybe it was made before, but still, I, I'd be surprised if it was. Um, but if, if, maybe it had to be. I'm not sure. But if if without the mask, maybe they couldn't get the mask for the set. Maybe that's a good chance. Or maybe they don't name the uh, the virus on purpose because they're thinking we don't want it to be COVID because then we're, everybody would not have a mask. But of course, people start to get paranoid. And we have a lot of the typical kind of, you know, backwoods kind of trashy characters, exactly what you expect them to do um, in exactly the same way you would expect them to do. But uh, I thought this one was decent. I thought it was exactly kind of what you would expect in this kind of movie. Uh, the lead is pretty good. Um, no real weak spots in acting, but no amazing standouts or anything like that either. I wouldn't say that anybody was really weak or, or really great. Um, it's it's pretty solid all the way around. Um, there's no real complaints. I, I like the location. The isolation is kind of cool. But again, uh, there's not really any major um, practical effects or anything like that. It's, it's a lot of psychological stuff going on. But anyways, um, I don't really know, have that much to say about the movie, unfortunately. I go, wish I could go in depth more about it, but I really came right down the middle a little better than average in every aspect um and the idea it's definitely something that uh you know if you're very sensitive about the current situation you might not want to watch because it's definitely directly correlated with that and it felt like it would be like that if things even got worse maybe they will get worse hopefully they won't i don't think so but uh, you never know anyways uh before the fire if it sounds like it's up your alley it's definitely that kind of post-apocalyptic plague world um you think there would be a lot more people being sick in it and stuff like that but it's more so the focus is on the people itself and the actions they carry out and everything like that so yeah all listeners, please be advised the curfew will go into effect in approximately 10 p.m. We'll break down the Department of Defense's plan for pandemic influenza and their intended response on the Chow Praia outbreak. What's the plan? You always have a plan. A flight. Okay. Where are we going? It's in the middle of nowhere. It's perfect. It's a farm. Your family hates me. No, they don't. Ava? The virus has not spread there yet. We'll wait it out, and then as soon as it's over, we will come right back home. There used to be three of us out here. You know, everybody got scared. Now it's just me. <laughs> you just kind of left. It didn't even feel like a choice. I just had to go. Kelly doesn't even know all of it. Not everything. This is family business. I promise you, I will never let anything bad happen to you. You're not gonna get very far. Eva, run! I can't stay here. You don't pretend me. I know you're tough. Where's Kelly? You already guessed that, didn't you? You are not going to die for me. Ah. Keep your head down! Do it! Ah! What the hell are you doing? Okay, this next one is by Hisayasu um, Sato, and I believe it's Kiri Ision. 
um, which is a Greek term. I probably butchered the pronunciation of that. So what is that? May the gods have mercy is, I believe, what it stands for. And I'll be brief with this one, too, because... Uh, his movies are really wild. There are, a lot of them are made in the 90s. I think this was made in the early 90s as well. So uh, <laughs> this is the one the one that I had the most trouble um, kind of watching. Usually I feel like I'm get, getting everything going on. And this one for me was a little bit uh, a little bit crazier. If you guys remember, I reviewed a couple of his movies in the past. Um, starting with the 91 show, I did uh, Sweet Honey, Lesbian Juice, Turtle Vision, um, and, and Celluloid Nightmares, a bunch of his so far. So um, this one, uh, is crazy and has a lot of his themes which is what I kind of obsess over when I watch a director I like the director who shares similar themes in all their films so we have this woman who has this patient who is a quadriplegic and his eyes are covered up and she's trying to help him but she has these strange tapes where she's watching them that are supposed to help her psychologically. They don't have any effect on her um, her patient, but she starts to watch them. And they're supposed to be through this media is supposed to help her psychologically, which to me is crazy just watching a tape and zoning out and having some sort of like, uh, you know, psychiatric kind of like session is just crazy to me. But this one's also super weird in the fact that... Um, she is spying on this person doing these wiretappings and all these other characters were doing wiretappings on each other. And it turns into like this almost like thriller, um, espionage story where everybody's wiretapping everybody. And all these characters have these secrets and strange things happening and all this kind of stuff. And of course we have the long sex scenes and fondling and groping stuff we have with this typical stuff. Um, again, we have media directly kind of being involved with all this stuff as well. Um, again, very strange film ends on you know a weird note of course some people end up killed and it, it has like a Patrick turn in here where you know that some people you know if I right when I say Patrick it's so you know niche or so small of an area what it could be that we kind of immediately know what I'm talking about and I, it's kind of slight spoiler but um, this one was super weird to me and super strange and like I said the story I, it's one that I would like to revisit I think that I could understand a little bit more uh, the first time watch I, I feel like I get I gather you know the twist and turns and everything about this person double crossing this person and all these kind of things like that never trust anybody um in the movies the person who you think may be the biggest victim in his films may be also one of the most dangerous person people in the film i seem to notice that kind of thing popping up and i definitely noticed the obsession with media and an obsession with you know spying and wiretapping and things like that and you know the sexual obsession and of course we got to have the weird groping and everything like that so uh yeah that is uh, the weirdest one of his movies that i've watched so far the next one here is the fetishist or fetish or feed fetishist whatever I'm, I'm dumb dumb okay so this one is the first um homosexual uh pinky film that i've seen of his and i guess he did a bunch of them which i find kind of intriguing usually somebody wouldn't make a lot of the um erotica stuff and usually they stick to one uh, you know gender but uh his, his been over both when and all his movies have a perversity to them like it feels like it surpasses the actual sexual orientation, to be honest, and it almost becomes an obsession on certain sexual aspects of obsession and things like that, if that makes any sense, and maybe some sort of media in the sexual encounter. So this one's really weird. Okay, so we have this... Uh, 
this uh, this guy who's an artist, and he is kind of sleeping with an older gentleman. Um, seems to be kind of a sugar daddy. This older gentleman seems to have a, a sexual like smelling of a smelling fetish, you know, a stink fetish or whatever you call them. I don't know, a sweat fetish. I'm not sure, but there is that thing. Uh, so he has one of those kind of fetish things going on, and he's kind of a uh, sexually you know rough with this character. He's an artist. He kind of pays for his you know him to work on art. And this artist um, every day sees this kind of younger man running through in a jumpsuit, just like sprinting through the streets kind of in crazily and we learned that this guy in the jumpsuit is actually um basically living with his sister who is into bondage in s&m and they record all that stuff they're recording it again playing in the recording of the the kind of weird stuff like that they record it and he's constantly hearing his sister be beat by this man and have sex with him and it, it's been kind of driving him crazy and at night he goes through and he takes a switchblade and he's the mad slasher and he runs through the streets and he stabs a woman um like i said this artist has this weird fascination with this guy and he starts to follow him and kind of uh you know forces him in and says he wants to take pictures of him and from the Dahmer movie you know that's not really if somebody comes to you and says hey i, I think you look great i want to take pictures of you they're trying to fuck you okay or they're trying to kill you you know if you've seen a, what what's that the Dahmer or uh what's the one uh murder obsession or well, the one with uh what's that guy's name the intervision put it out geez i can't think of the title of it i actually really like the movie too uh murder lust murder lust so they're definitely going to try to kill you or screw you or a combination of both so he ends up basically almost like forcing this guy to come back with him and he takes these pictures and soon enough of course he kind of like uh it doesn't necessarily seem to be okay with having sex with him but he goes with it anyways and they start this kind of strange relationship but also at the same time there is this weird character who is recording everything. He's like recording, I think he's recording the bondage sessions and he gets kind of obsessed with this situation. He's recording everything it feels like and he picks up on the story. So he starts to learn kind of the stuff about them and he's obviously crazy and just not all there, but he's also hearing all these messed up things. So he feels like, you know, he has to do something about it at the same time. So uh, without giving too much away, one of the characters actually ends up snapping and committing some sort of crime. But uh, no, it's a really weird movie. Uh, you know, art, and a obsession and a weird twisted love story just a kind of a bizarre movie you know it's not as you know i would say it is kind of violent in a lot of different ways but the sex scenes kind of took me back because his films are highly sexual and a lot of it is just groping and things like that because they can't show like the um inserts or anything you know that kind of stuff's all blurred out but the gra the sex scenes were more graphic than i was expecting because you know uh it just you're not really sure to see a lot of that stuff in here so this is kind of a strange movie i thought it was pretty good though i thought it was really well made and just kind of crazy weird mixture of like erotica horror stuff and all his movies are like that this is one of his better efforts like i said i wish that i could dive deeper into these and you know it would be better to have a discussion with somebody about it as well but anyways uh i enjoyed this one as well so uh yeah good good stuff and i'm going to continue watching his movies i know he's directed 63 films and they're all hard to kind of find they're not really any releases in the states there's a couple like lolita uh, lolita vibrator torture and bedroom wife and stuff like that but not all of them have been released here so yeah um, most of his movies were made in the uh, mid 80s to the 90s and then he had a few in the 2000s but yeah anyways interesting director so yeah okay this next one here i kind of picked this one off because i've been uh thinking about there's a lot of directors that i've seen like a lot of their movies or i haven't seen enough of their movies and this is the last feature film i had to watch by gaspar noe and this is i stand alone uh yeah 
which is weird because I had actually seen uh, Carne, which is the movie that is the prequel to this, and I've seen Irreversible, which has the same character in it, but I stand alone. Boy, oh boy, 1998, first feature film by Gaspar Noe, and it's definitely a Gaspar Noe movie. Um, now let me know, guys. Is it? I've always heard it pronounced Gaspar Noe. Some people say Gaspar No. I would say Gaspar Noe, but that's me. Anyways... The lead actor in here is great. Like a, he's in a High Tension and a slew of other French films, Irreversible, of course, and Carnet. He's just great, and, and the whole movie kind of relies on his performance. And of course, you know, uh, Noe's filming techniques, his zooming techniques, which are very jarring. His zooming techniques always—he'll start on this side of the frame, and then he'll hear a loud boom, and it'll zoom in, but we'll be on the other side. It, it's really cool how he does it, and just jarring as hell, but purposely done that way. So, um, anyways. This movie is is nuts. Like it, 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 we follow that character. They basically explain what happened in Carne. Um, he basically is an or was an orphan. He had a daughter. His wife died. He's lo left alone with her. She left him or whatever. He ran a butcher shop. He thought his daughter was being molested. He did a violent act. And that violent act caused him to lose everything. So he had to put his daughter in kind of a, um, an asylum or an institution. And he married this heavyweight, this overweight woman heavyweight overweight woman who had money and everything like that he's very unhappy in the situation and she is pregnant and uh basically it opens up right there and uh he's just miserable they leave the town that he was from and uh basically we have his inner monologue the whole movie and he just says these awful things because he's such a miserable prick he reminds me of uh, a straight carl panzram like if carl panzram was straight and hadn't crossed that line yet this is kind of how i feel he would be although he had gone too far yet um and carl panzram was quoted at saying something like if the world was one if i i would like to strangle the neck of the world if i could or something like that put my hands around it the whole world and strangle it so this guy just hates humanity he hates everything the things he says are horrible as he goes about his day um and he commits a horrible act and he has to run away to back back where he was from and he has like 300 francs in his name so basically he he watches his money dwindle and he goes around and asks all his old friends for help and no one can help him it seems like france at this point is in some sort of horrible um recession uh so, so it's just bleak and sad and the things he says are horrible so horrible that you're just like oh wow he's just saying these awful things like basically no one ever loves anyone you just act like you like them uh so they act like they like you so when you i just shit like that that that's kind of like when you're having your worst day ever you might run a couple of the like lighter things through your mind but uh the stuff he says is just unspeakable of course and it keeps leading up to this moment where he keeps talking about you know obviously he has this sexual fascination with his daughter and all sorts of gross things like that but the end of the movie when we get to it um it actually he's talking about he has this gun with three bullets and he's talking about what he's going to use the bullets on and uh everything like that and, and the acting performance is really what drives this movie like i said i complain sometimes if like an actor doesn't have I, i'd say he has no passion in his eyes or his face and this guy has great great passion because a lot of the time it's just a narrative he's not narration not narrative narration he's not talking out loud so like we're hearing the narration in his eyes and you just kind of know what he's thinking even if you didn't have to hear the narration i would be curious to hear it without the narration and see if it still has its impact um there's this just like for example he gets in this um he's hitchhiking and he gets in this uh this truck and there's this truck driver says hope you like good music and he blasts this like loud whatever the hell it is i don't know it's just weird music like techno shit beat dance music or something and you just see his face and he's just like like slight like 
and this isn't the movie of this guy going on a mad killing spree like Man Bites Dog or something like that. This is like deeply psychological and uh, just boiling up to a point where you don't know what he's going to do at the end. And and what he does at the end is a little bit shocking um, because it's not exactly what you expect. And as gross and weird and messed up as it all is, it's a little touching in a nasty, you know, it's just anyways, and probably the song they used to, it's a classic song. But anyways, this is a great movie. I thought it was really good. Um, you could obviously see his filming techniques in here. It's not as strong as it would become obviously in things like irreversible and climax, but it's there or under the void. It's definitely there. Um, really like this one. Great performance by the lead. Tremendous stuff. <laughs> Okay, the next one here um, is a Patreon pick, and Dan the Cameraman said, pick a best picture you haven't seen. And you know what? Surprisingly, I haven't had a chance to watch Parasite yet. Uh, so there we go. Um, best movie of 2019, and I had seen, you know, a couple movies. People were mad that Joker or Once Upon a Time in Hollywood didn't win. I love Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, but I was like, I'm sure Parasite's great. You know, it wouldn't been, you know, I don't want to, you know, you don't take much value in exactly what the Oscars or Academy Awards say or anything like that, but you know that it's going to be at least good because most of the people I've heard talk have all said it was great. So I put this in. It's a two hour and 12 minute movie. And nowadays, you know, movies, you know, you're always constantly with all these interruptions and everything. Sometimes you'll be like, I'm going to look at my phone. Or I'm going to do this. No, not with this movie. Not at all. You don't check the time. You're not checking the time constantly. You're intrigued 110%. So, um, how do I talk about this movie without spoiling much? Um, people, everybody will say it's a movie about classism, which it is, and all these kind of things like that. But it's a movie about these two different families and the differences we see within their families. And although, you know... At one point, one of the poor characters brings up, do you, do you love your wife or something like that? And the character doesn't 100% answer in a way, the rich character. And, and that kind of says a lot of things there that although this small family unit is poor, there's like a love there. There's a caring there as, as even as they perform crimes. While the rich family, they do love each other to a certain... You know, it's just so different. It's so different. Anyways, I got to get down to the basic plot here without spoiling too much so if you haven't seen the movie just go watch it because you'll like it it's a great movie parasite the title parasite right there it's kind of kind of explained it so basically what happens here is there's this very well-off rich family um you know mother father and son um and uh daughter as well and um basically uh the daughter 
needs um, a tutor because her tutor is leaving and the tutor that's leaving is friends with the poor kid and he has a sister and a parents of course and they're they're struggling they're very poor so he says I want to do you a favor I want to get you a job as a tutor here and he says I don't have actual college education he's like yeah but you're very intelligent and you can do it just you know bullshit your way in there and you'll get paid it'll be good so he ends up infiltrating the house kind of lying and has his sister print up some bullshit you know fake college certificate because the mother is really easily manipulated so uh, basically making a statement here on that a lot of these rich people are easy easy targets in a, in a certain way they haven't lived on the streets they don't know the people's tricks so anyways this guy he starts to kind of uh tutor the daughter and the daughter has a fascination with him. He's a little older and everything like that. So he has an idea. The family starts to have an idea that they'll get the sister in there to tutor the young hyperactive son in art and everything like that. And she's a psychological, you know, starts saying all these weird things. And she's really like mean and stern and everything to the everybody involved. So she starts to like start to manipulate as well. And soon enough, they get, um, they start to do, pull the strings and the father and mother are working there too. All as different people that none are, they, they're not related to the family. The rich family does not know that all four of these are a family unit. So we have this entire poor family infiltrate them and they're, they're sucking off them in this crazy kind of way. But uh, the performances here are great. And there's this thing that comes up about you know poor people smelling a certain way which is it's just great how it's used um and the ending is really powerful um and, and there's a couple twists and turns in here too that um it even goes to a level bigger on another parasitic level if you will and, and you know as well anyways it's just a great movie uh really well directed really well made and the acting is tremendous i love the father in this movie and and there's a lot of tension too um uh, basically at certain times uh you never know how it's going to work or how it's going to unfold uh anyways just a great movie a great ending very powerful um as far as like you know tons of rain and stuff too i feel like there's a lot of rain in, in asian inspired films it's very you know metaphoric and everything like that but um just just a great movie um high, highly recommended can't say much more positive things about it and smarter people have said more about it so anyways if you haven't seen it highly recommended the picture quality on the 4k looked great sounded great so yeah that's parasite <音楽><音楽><音楽><音楽><音楽><音楽><音楽> Is it okay with you? We're a whole yesu Jessica, 
deadly serious. Okay, we're going to dive, or wait, survive 2005. I'm getting confused here. This one, let it will be a little quick on Executive Koala here. <laughs> I laughed out loud. I've had this movie sitting on myself for years, Synapse Films, and I literally laugh every time I look at it. I'm just like, Executive Koala, that's so ridiculous. Anyways, made in 2005, kind of on a cheaper level. Um, I don't know what kind of world this takes place in. This is a weird, surreal, crazy world, but koalas and, and rabbits are people, or they're, they're koalas and rabbits, but they're fully grown, and they wear suits, and we're talking about executive koala here. That's right. He's an executive, and he works at this place. He's really nice, really sweet, and, um, you know, basically what happens is one day, he has a girlfriend. He has a he has kind of a mysterious past. Uh, his wife disappeared. We never know what happens to her. And his girlfriend ends up. He ends up sleeping with her one night. And he goes home. And uh, some police visit him at work. And they say your girlfriend's ended up dead. And he's confused. He doesn't know what happened. He's very sad. And you know the cops are like, well, you've had two of these things kind of happen in your life. So something is up. So the executive call starts to visit a psychiatrist and everything like that. While people at his work, these three girls cuts back to them gossiping about him all the time. And uh, pretty soon, Executive Koala knows something's not right. Um, and we don't really know if he is the murderer or not and, uh, and what's going on. Without spoiling too much, uh, you know, like these movies have these twists and turns. And it's absolutely ridiculous what happens here. But um, the Executive Koala, actually, there is something going on. And it turns at one point to a prison movie, which is absolutely ridiculous. And it turns into a fighting movie. And the fighting's not exactly great, but it does its job. And the ending ends on such a bat shit crazy ridiculous note that i was like this is nonsense this is complete nonsense but i did enjoy myself i liked it the koala himself it's just this big mask and he blinks and he's cute as hell i'm not gonna lie it's just a giant koala like mask head and he's walking around and i i really enjoyed myself to be honest um it's not gratuitously gory or anything like that i mean like the special effects aren't amazing but it's a ridiculous ass movie it's ex pretty much what you'd expect from something called executive koala so yeah阿部洋子さんご存知ですよね。はい。昨夜自宅で殺害されました。僕がやったと思ってるんですか。僕はよく愛してたんだ。奥さんもお前が阿部洋子みたいな目に遭わせて、どっかに捨てたんじゃないの
だ俺がやったんだ<笑> Okay, this next one from Survive 2005 is、uh, Guru Zuka? Is it Guru Zuka? Guru? Goro Zuko?、Uh, Goro Zuka? Whatever. Another one from Synapse Films that I've had sitting on the shelf for like 10 years and never watched. So, okay, this one is a low budget movie. And this again is a Japanese film that kind of focuses on, I believe it's Japanese or is it South Korean? It's an Asian film, regardless. I get confused sometimes watching so many movies.、Um, an Asian film that is directly obsessed with、uh, media. Or video or something like that having an effect on someone. So there we go.、Um, we have this film group、uh, going out,、uh, this group of film students, which is crazy to me. They think that all the film students are、uh, young, pretty girls. I'm like, this isn't America, I'll tell you that. There'd be like four or five guys looking like me, and then, you know, just being like, we make a movie and it's gonna be fun.、Um, so that's what it would look like, okay? So, anyways, they go out there. And they're gonna make this movie in these isolated woods. There was this tape that、um, this girl, they, they basically, they tell this story here that there w a s two students years ago that、um, one went crazy and one disappeared, and nobody ever knows what happens. And it was inspired by some sort of weird events, I think, on top of that. So、um, it turns out that somebody had brought a tape with them that they found, and this tape looks like we see what happened in those events. So right after that, kind of weird things start to happen. Their food disappears, and, and everybody here has this, this drop. With each other, like this person doesn't like this person, this person's always been a loser, this person resents this person, this person's a rich bitch. So, all these kind of things start to unfold. There's like seven girls here, and、um, obviously, you really don't know what's going to happen. But it takes about 45 minutes, it's like an hour and 20 minutes before somebody ends up dead. But after that, we kind of start to realize that,、um, you know, exactly what's happening to a certain extent. That,、um, but, but by the end, the person that ends up being the killer, you're like, oh, who, what, okay, I, I kind of understand what's going on, but there's some e x The exposition there, and、uh, they're all killed to certain ways.、Um, the special effects aren't amazingly、uh, huge or anything like that, but the mask that's in the film is actually really effective and great. And again, watching、uh, like this weird if, every time somebody sets up a scenario where it's like this tape is actually somebody being murdered, and then you watch the tape in the movie, you're like, that always works, that's always effective.、Uh, I don't know why, but、um, again, we have that obsession with somebody, and like, oh, I, I don't want to spoil too much, but、um, that tape definitely has an effect on people, and again. We have that, so the ring thing going on, you know what I mean? Like, what's with that and the tape and everything? But I don't know. I like that idea. And then again, we have the movie earlier that I talked about, the Sato film, with the,、uh, you know, the psychological psychiatrist tape or whatever, supposed to cure your mental illness. So, all sorts of things like that.、Um, I, I like these kind of weird little themes popping up in movies that are strange, directly correlating with film and media and entertainment and stuff like that. I think it's unique and kind of a scary thing because. Usually, the people that are going to watch these things are kind of obsessed with film and media and stuff like that, anyways, because the movies are so bizarre, they'd be the only ones to do it.、Um, so, this one I thought was interesting, like I said, I, but not great. You know, it, it's a little slow to start. The characters are, you know, they're whatever. And I, I didn't love any of them, but the, the idea and themes and stuff I, I thought were more intriguing. But、uh, yeah, anyways, this one's worth checking out, kind of cool, but mostly it's just kind of a, a slower paced slasher film that has a couple cool aspects about it.
たちが撮ったビデオを見たのお面で顔は分からないけど今の映像に出てきた2人がその黒塚の話覚えてるよねいやなんか怨念感じるよねまとめておいた食料が盗まれましたっていうか何がどうなってるんですか全然分かんないいつか仕返ししてやろうと思ってた嘘つきは先輩たちじゃないですか私たち騙して私は疑われてるぞかけなさい We're here. This is kind of part of the segment I'm doing. I'm going to regret this, but in reality, I watch so many weird movies and like weird movies, so I don't really regret anything. But all these movies kind of have a reputation of being kind of crazy. So this is、uh, episode three. I don't think you've ever partaked in one of these. I'm going to regret this. I think the first one was. Jeez, I can't even remember the first one. The second one was Aster Montag, which I kind of regretted.、Um, this one is Takashi Mike's、um, Visitor Q. I looked at you because you're the Japanese expert, and he's also dying actively right now. Avenue、so, yeah, Q. Stop. What? Takashi Mike classic. Okay. 2001, 2000, a Visitor Q. Very low budget. I think this movie was shot in a very short time, to be、mm-hmm. honest. And this is a,、um, a director. I've seen a handful of his movies. And I feel like I need to be more well versed in his films. You know, I've, of course, seen Ichi the Killer and Audition and One Missed Call, 13 Assassins,、uh, Blade of the Immortal, some of the non horror stuff. But Visitor Q is always one that I heard a lot about along with Gozu from him. And、uh, so I put this in and I didn't really know what to expect. It is about one of the most dysfunctional families I've ever seen ever.、Um, I love this damn thing. I'm just a weirdo pervert. And this is a super dark <coughs> comedy. I know a lot of people are watching, like, oh my God, it's so disturbing. <laughs> and I see, like, a. Bleak, nasty, dark comedy, which makes me laugh, which takes this family unit and turns it upside its head. Just makes it completely bonkers family unit here. Yeah.、Um, that's why it's so funny. So we have this、uh, a father who has had sexual relations with his daughter, and she has、um, flown the coop. And this father used to be a TV journalist or some sort, exploitative. Journalist、um, put whatever he filmed on、uh, to the masses, and he had a really、uh, emasculating thing happen to him involving some、uh, punk kids. The mother is a heroin junkie who is basically just beaten by her son at every waking moment.、Mm-hmm. The son is an abusive piece of shit. And essentially, this family is just self destructing upon itself and they don't really interact. They don't communicate. They don't really talk to each other except the son beats the mom on every issue.、Um, until this strange visitor, Visitor Q, I would assume his name is,、uh, this, I guess, like a young punk ass Yakuza is what he reminds me of.、Uh, looks like a typical Mike character with a crazy hair. And shit.、Yeah. So he comes in and he basically forces his way into this family as, I guess, like、um, just a presence that's there. And he kind of like moves them along to do things and starts to affect all them. He starts to have like this weird sexual affair with the uh, mother、mm-hmm. uh, involving a lot of breast milk, which is very real. Yeah.、Um, starts to go on this weird journey with the father who wants to exploit his son's、uh, being bullied and get involved with it and make this weird <laughs> documentary about it. I don't know, to get in the good graces of media again or something. And、um, the son,、uh, I guess, is just kind of.、Um, 
trying to find himself and do something after school, right? Yeah, he's kind of like a delinquent. Um, and, and the daughter's also involved, too. He starts right. to kind of... Uh, <laughs> this movie is fucking bonkers. It's shot so cheap. It has it's like a checklist of taboo shit. It's just like necrophilia, um, like beating your mind, heroin stuff, um, rape, feces, feces. Um, I, I, I we're gonna spoil this a little bit to a certain yeah, extent. Yeah. Um, my favorite character is probably the father, because there's this point in the movie where he gets completely upset at this moment uh, with a person who's kind of like he was maybe having an affair with, I believe. Um, yeah. Are you talking about the reporter? Yeah, the reporter he's okay. with. He was having like an affair with her, and she, he's making her do all these things involving the documentary, and uh, she betrays him, and he kind of loses his shit. And mm-hmm. there's a scene where she dies, and Visitor Q's like egging him on, helping him with the camera and everything like that. And this is where a scene of necrophilia happens. And this is, I haven't laughed this hard in a while where I don't even want to quote this because I'm immediately going to be like <laughs> blacklisted, but he's having sex with the dead body. And he said, cause he's, he's, he's always had a, like a kind of a going too quick problem. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, ejaculating too quick and he's screwing the, the body and he says, you're wet. Um, what I can't exactly remember the quote, but it's something along the lines of what are the magical secrets of life? Um, that a corpse can be wet. And then he says, wait a minute, this isn't a magical secret of life. It's shit. And he literally <laughs> pulls up and it, uh, I laugh for like five minutes because it's played like so gross, but it's played like a comedic comedy. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, man, it's just so nuts. Like it's so nuts, isn't it? Yeah, it's um, <laughs> it's... I don't. It, it's so because like everybody in this movie is garbage. Like everybody is trash, and like like this family's being fall like like torn apart. Like every night, these kids come after school <laughs> and just like shoot fireworks at the house. The house is all torn up. You know, it's a traditional Japanese house. All the paper windows are broken. And it's, um, instead of the father trying to do something, he starts filming it. Like right. this is crazy. Like trying to get like he's like this is crazy. Look, he's like a news reporter that's actually lost his fucking right. mind. And, and you know, I, I don't know when this was made, but like two thousand early two thousand early two thousand. So this is like before like the whole youtube thing like viral video stuff and like here is this man who just keeps on having to stumble into like viral video dumb i mean or he's trying to make it viral. right yeah (laughs) it's it's like you know like i'm watching this and i'm thinking about the time frame and i'm like what what avenue is he hoping to broadcast this footage on? Like, you can't put this on TV. <laughs> no. Um, and like I said, like, the mother, too. Like, there are so, like, so many secrets. She's, like, going and turning tricks to get mm-hmm. heroin money and yeah. shit. And, um, like, this guy literally, like, has them blossom all their sick perversions out in the open. And he somehow brings this family unit together. Literally, they come together at the end, and they almost seemingly care about each other in their nasty, kind of perverse way. Um, but this stuff, it, it's very explicit, like the sex scenes and everything. And I think the stuff that will probably get on people the most, uh, bother people the most, is, you know, the, the breast milk. Probably and, the breast and, milk. And honestly, let's, like, it's just breast milk, guys. I, I know it's just gross feeding on, a, some, a grown adult feeding on breast milk, but I think people just get bothered by actually seeing breast milk. Like, remember that, what was that one movie, um... Raw, 
where like they showed a birth of like a cow, and I feel like a lot of people are just movie so disturbing. <laughs> so dis- and I feel like half of you guys are getting disturbed by like just a birth of a cow that a farmer has to see every other day. Like, okay, okay, guys, you know, or like somebody seeing like prepare like a meal with a fish or a chicken, and they're like, oh my god, so like, much. It's, it's like okay, like, <laughs> but like the breast milk is strange, just how it's sexually fetishized, but mm. it's also just it, it's funny like it's just gross and it's just twisted like so awkward yeah it, it is you know i i don't know if there's a plot to the movie i don't know there there's... is a plot it's just I mean, visitor there's... you know yeah. <laughs> there is a there's the characters have changed yeah um they have arcs and uh i you know i'm a sick person so like if i ever watch a movie where like an old person's being yelled at i immediately laugh out loud like yeah. a happy gilmore is like shut up he's just being mean to the lady i'm like <laughs> i start laughing okay so this is horrible. Like, you want to kill the son, but he's literally beating his mom, and he has right. his room perfectly neat and has a closet full of different beating utensils, right. like rackets, and, and everything like that. So, I don't know. It's just a bonkers, weird movie, but it's got a lot of different things in it that I've never quite seen, and it, the, the stuff, it does it is saying stuff. And I think it is saying yeah. a lot of things, you know, about this whole family unit and everything like that, and just the crazy things it has in it. But um, it, it's probably, it's not technically one of his best movies, because it, no. it, it's definitely using that... Again, it's that weird obsession with the Japanese and the media being way ahead of anybody else right. talking about it. Mm-hmm. Like the media... Like like I said, I constantly am bringing this up because I constantly am seeing all these similarities between the ring. But even yeah. before that, like I'm talking about these Sato movies, direct correlation between um, entertainment affecting the people or mm-hmm. being obsessed with it and using it to like it's so weird it's such a a big thing <coughs> like no no roy it's like almost all right. of them are like that now once I, i'm seeing this pattern in like south korean and mostly japanese and south korean cinema where it comes from but i don't know i, I think it's really interesting to be honest it's this almost like this worship of like not even entertainment but media like like documenting things and um you know and even even the uh, father when he's like killing the prostitute, um, you know, having sex with her and, like, trying to dispose of the body, he sets up the camera to film it. Like, why are you filming everything? He she needs... wasn't a prostitute. That was a newscaster. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. Out. I'm sorry. It's just every time I think of a dead girl in a trunk, I jump to a <laughs> prostitute. Um... <laughs> and, and slight spoilers here. They do come together to commit mass murder together. Yeah, And, like, like, we can't take them all at the same time. They have a whole trunk open and there's all these bodies in there. <laughs> and they're, like, putting cleaner in. I don't, man, I don't... It's really great. Right. Yeah, it is it is fantastic. But, yeah, I, there is this thing in Japan about, um, you know, in the movies that we've been watching lately, just, like, this this obsession with, like, media. I mean, like, actual audio or visual. Media. Yeah. yeah. No, like, I watched that, uh, that movie, The Fetish. It's F-E-T-I-S-T. It's not a real word. It would be The Fetishes or just Fetish? The Fetish. I don't know. See, see like, that's the spelling of it. F-E-T-I-S-T. I, I'm not sure Fetist. what fetist. I guess it's the fetist. But that movie again had a s- obsession with media. Like they are just filming acts for no reason. Like we got to mm-hmm. film this be- this this um, bondage scene, and then the guy recording everything like and be out in the streets and catching on the weird things like that. But that, I know it predates and stuff like blow blow up and stuff like that. But it's just weird. It's just like all these movies have these weird media obsessions and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Yeah, and I I don't know I don't it, know where it, it comes works. from. Yeah, it, it does works. Work. It really does work, and it's just a, it's like a, an elaboration of found footage. Like even that Gurazakazuka movie, like that tape. The tape was evil. Like mm-hmm. after uh, evil act was caught on tape, and whoever sees the tape is somehow affected by that evil act that was on tape. Does that ring too? 
That, that the ring is like that too. The ring's yeah. a curse though within the right. tape. So it's just so many weird shits like that. And mm-hmm. it's like I never thought like there would be this many things. Like it's a pattern. It's almost like the slasher movie equivalent, like trope in American cinema or something. Probably. Maybe it is like like that's just what they are drawn to and that's what becomes popular in the country, just like we have like, you know, the camp slasher or the well, teen slasher. Well I said it's a weird thing because a lot of the people that are gonna watch anything that is like um visitor queue or anything or no no Roy mm-hmm. are probably gonna be obsessed with film and media so they're automatically into that world of understanding the obsession with it or something like that right. and and most movies that involve perversity of any sort directly are correlated with obsession because perversity and obsession are almost hand in hand yeah i mean it's it's it's, just, it's, it's the same side of the coin really it's not right. even a different side of the coin it's obsession and perversity are one and the same because you know but anyways i, I would highly recommend this if, if mm-hmm. i had to rate it just because when i always have somebody on the show together i always rate it first time watch 8.5 out of 10 I, I like the extreme side of cinema too when it's good I, I mean i don't like the extreme side just for no sake if there's nothing there it's right. just like it annoys the shit out of me but if there's like uh, lots of interesting things or just different things like i i, I really like it so yeah because you know the, the extremeness is i think in some hand shock in some hand it's, it's part of the comedy um, I, I'd probably give it a four out of five. Yeah. I mean, it was really fun. Um, and it it moves pretty quick. Too. Yeah, very quick. Disgusting yeah. though. This isn't for everybody. Um, I but this is just for perverts like myself who are obsessed with things. Right. <laughs> <laughs> We're at blind spot. Why'd you get all? You're like, because we gotta do another review. And I, don't... I, I don't want to do. All right, blind spot here. This is your pick. This is Akira. I seen this years ago as a kid, and I watched it a couple of times. Um, this is based off a comic book uh, manga. Is it me- manga? Manga. 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 Yeah. Manga. manga series um, that I've never actually read, but I've seen this movie a couple times. You hadn't seen it. This I had never seen it. 88, 87. Um, mm-hmm. Crazy movie. I don't even know to go about the plot on this one. Um, uh, futuristic society where a military is taken over. There's a lot of kids um, that uh, punks in the street and the everybody doesn't trust the government. Uh, so it's pure chaos and they're committing these experiments mm-hmm. and there's this weird kind of 
mumblings of this thing called Akira, which was super powerful that caused an explosion possibly years ago and mm-hmm. around the turn of World War Three. Um but uh, I don't know how to go about the plot after that without spoiling absolutely everything about it. Um. Well, I think that maybe in this case, we actually don't need to talk about the plot. <laughs> because I think Akira is like the granddaddy of all cyberpunk. Yeah. I mean, it is so influential. I mean, it comes out in 88 and, you know, there's stuff before it. But, like, it is so influential in Japanese culture and as an extension world cinema culture and not just cinema but also video games comic books um tv shows it it is like like this is cyberpunk this is dystopian cyberpunk um and that is its legacy end of review five out of five (laughs) no um there's lots of cool things about it to Mm -hmm. enjoy um the animation's awesome animation very very violent movie very violent the effects are great um, there's good characterizations in here. You like the characters, you like the connection, and there's definitely, they're definitely saying stuff about the government and everything like that, not to trust them and the coops and the betrayals. And, you know, uh, some of the people on the same side are working together and they're going to betray each other and all that right. kind of shit. And also there's definitely a uh, lots of allegory to the, uh, Hiroshima. Yeah, all they, that yeah, kind of Hiroshima, stuff, of course. Nuclear bomb. Yeah. Um, there is like, there, there's this cult that worships Akira, um, not really knowing what, what it, it is, is and that's or... that's blind fate too or <coughs> and and um there's also this mm-hmm. thing about it like um that uh, that respect that that respect that you gotta want to earn in japan like um mm-hmm. um tetsuo is the young one or is the yeah. old tetsuo is the young kid and he wants that respect and his friend always stuck up for him but once mm-hmm. he gets that power once he gets the um weird experiment on him he no longer he loses control. Like it's a power right. corrupts, you know, and he just no he no longer he has that chip on his shoulder that he has something to prove. But there's also these cool elements of these like uh, kids that have like tel- um, telekinesis or telepathy. Mm-hmm. They have a bunch of powers. They're they were government experiments, and they have like a close friendship and bond amongst each other. And they do this really cool hallucination scene where yes. they're like, to- it's awesome. <laughs> it's just like nightmare fuel. And it just works really well where they mess with Tetsuo. I think Tetsuo is him. I'm mixing up, but. Tetsuo is the one that. Um, actually gets the powers. That gets the okay, powers. Yeah. Yes. So, and Kaneda is the main Kaneda. character, yeah. character um, um, with the motorcycle. Every time I hear the name Tetsuo, I can't help <laughs> but think of Iron Man, Tetsuo Iron Man. And uh, I, I just love, that's one of my favorite names. The next cat I have that is right. that reminds me of a, his name is going to be Tetsuo. See, sure he, here's the thing: we, we we had this stupid cat, and like I don't know, just every, out of nowhere, every time we grab him, we'd always like like Tetsuo, make him like <laughs> talk and say Tetsuo. I don't know why it, it was so, it's so funny, but he hated it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyways, uh, like I said. I really like this one. I mean, there's no real problems with it. And that opening, when the biking, the biker chase, is just mm-hmm. it, this movie doesn't take any time to slow down. It's just no. nonstop action the entire time, and yeah. it gets batshit crazy when um, Tetsuo starts to like morph and can't control the power anymore. Mm-hmm. Super nuts. Um, we also have like this general in here who is basically you know the quintessential like '80s. Um, probably till even now he, he's the haggard type haggard type from final flight yeah. you know big strong guy with the mustache it's like that's just such a japanese like anime or stereotype like don fry played that kind of character in godzilla final wars mm-hmm. it's just i love that character type like he's also in what's the um anime from 86 by um the ghibli studios one uh that i watched was it castle in the sky 
Castle in the Sky, but that guy doesn't have a mustache. Yeah, he does. He fights a guy with a mustache, though. He, there, there is a, <laughs> they a have that muscle flex to, off. Yeah. That's exactly what I'm thinking. <laughs> uh, yeah. But, no, I mean... I, we were, I was looking at reviews on Letterboxd, which is always a mistake because Letterboxd is filled with people that don't love movies. They love to, like, badmouth movies, and I know this is shitty. Nobody has any objectivity on Letterboxd, and I know, you know, subjectivity, objectivity is random, but I saw a 1.5 review of um, Akira, and, like, even if anime is not for you or this movie's not for you, there's no fucking way Akira's 1.5. No. And literally, his... his I don't, know, I don't fucking... I'll call this guy out. Because everybody knows where they see it. His his review is basically just, like, quotes. Like, Tetsu, Canada, Tetsu, Tetsu. It's like, dude, fuck off. Like, fuck you know, off. Funny, literally, you're, fuck you're off. missing everything about it. Yeah. I, I mean, it, you're, you can't enjoy modern, you know, video games or movies or anything without it, you know... Being thanks to Akira, I'm and, sorry. and at the same time, just because it inspires stuff doesn't necessarily make it good. But no. it is good. It's, it's so good. entertaining. It I cannot see how you don't like this. I cannot see. And a lot of people are like, this doesn't make any. I mean, you can kind of follow it. It makes sense enough to me. Right. I mean, like, and this is you know, I haven't seen this movie since I was fucking eighteen years old. And rewatching it, I was like, I, I pretty much got what's going on. Yeah, there's lots of twists and turns, and maybe some of it seems pointless when there's traitors and everything. But I, I got it. I pretty much mm-hmm. got it. I mean, it's super strange. It's saying a lot of things, and I know the the comic book's probably in more in depth and everything like probably. that. But I don't know. I think it's a great movie. Uh, I think it's awesome. I like most of the characters in the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the psychic kids are awesome, and it's also you know a, a film about sacrifice. Lots of sacrifices. Lots are given, of sacrifice. So. Um, um, you know, like you know, I, I had never seen it before, hence why we're watching it now. You know, but like there's you know things in media that like I adore. That are directly inspired from it. I mean, uh, the kid in the wheelchair, um, wh- how he has like little pod, like it's like that's just Pokey from Earthbound, you know. <laughs> Canada on the bike is just Cloud in Final Fantasy VII. I mean, the these things, everything exists within a bubble. Um, the the animation in this is fantastic. The, the storyline is touching. Um, it is a Japanese movie, so it's not over until somebody fights a giant fetus. But um, it, it it is fantastic. It is a fantastic movie. You're gonna yeah. It's, I, it's in his book. It's not. I in lost mine. my spot. I could have swore it was in here. It begins with an A. Yeah, I know. Akira. I had it, and you lost it. Keep talking. I I don't know what else to say. Uh, um, here it is. I like okay. the color of the bike. Stop that, it. That, the bike scene okay, is really. Okay, fun. shut up now. Akira, 1988, three out of five stars. <coughs> Animated Japanese feature based on a comic book series set in the 21st century when Tokyo is ruled by a military government that has brought on urban blight and a disillusioned youth. With imaginative camera angles, director uh, Katashiro Atama brings an unusual sense of cartoon excitement to this convoluted though fascinating morality tale. Two members of a bike gang uncover a secret experiment to develop telekinetic humans to be used in warfare. It's richly textured tail demanding full attention. Which I don't think he got, because he gave it three out of five. Uh, okay. Huh? Okay. Alright. I would probably give this... 9.5 out of 10. Almost perfect. 9.5 out of 10? Yeah. I'd give it a 5 out of 5. If I was doing 5 out of 5, it would be 5 out of 5. I mean, I, I like I said, I'm not super well-versed in, in anime... 
But almost all the feature lengths I've seen, I've only watched classics, though. I really enjoy from, mm-hmm. um, what is it, Vampire Hunter D to um, Demon City and Ninja Scroll. They're all great. And I, Akira is, is probably objectively the best of the bunch. I mean, like I said. Animation-wise, it is. Yeah, animation is, the animation's fantastic. Um, Storyline is, is fairly solid. And like I said, it it is what it is. It, it inspired so much more than, you know, you would ever know. I, I mean, that, that's just it. Like, everybody, I think anybody who makes movies has seen Akira. Yeah. Period. And, and uh, if you don't like movies, or you don't love most, you know, mm-hmm. I understand not liking certain movies. Um, but if you don't like movies at all, stop reviewing movies. Nobody gives a fuck. <laughs> like, I, I hate people. <laughs> I feel like there's 90% of people out there that just hate watch everything. It's just like, go away. Nobody cares. Now, people will be like, I just watched uh, um, Chinatown. Not very good. It's like, okay, yeah, you know, you've watched it one time. Like, even though there's a lot of classics I've seen one time, and mm-hmm. maybe I didn't get the impact fully, uh, but I enjoyed what I saw, and I can understand that it was a great movie. And you just like, there's so many people out there that, like, you're like, eh, it's like, whatever. Like, I don't know. It's just fucking. Right. If I hear one more person saying, I'm the only one that thinks Texas Chainsaw Massacre sucks, I'm going to bash his brain in with a hammer. I, how do you, <laughs> can you not enjoy a beautiful black comedy such as Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Stop it. It's a, it <laughs> is a comedy. That's what's so funny about it is Toby Hooper's <laughs> the only one that thinks it's funny. He's like, that's pretty funny. Huh? You're like, I thought it was funny. Everybody else is like, no, it's not funny at all. He's like, what? I've only seen it one time, and like I You've just only seen it once. Stop laughing. But you know, it's just like I understand there's some movies that people don't, <coughs> that you don't like, but it's just like I'd rather mm-hmm. just you're not gonna like stir some great debate or you know like shine some light on a movie that everybody hates it now because you said it. It happens every once in a while. Like, just no one really cares. <laughs> no one cares like and i'm saying that here too like like all 20 of you watching this they, you know, like, no one cares there's every once in a while a movie i don't like too but it's just like i don't know i i just they just go like on a, a random facebook page and then just post it and like it's just clearly like attention craving shit they don't say anything why they just i don't like it or overrated it's like dude fuck off i mean i'll be honest no I, if somebody has a bad opinion on something it's like okay that's fine. But if somebody has a good opinion on something, I want to know more about that thing. Me too. I want to, like, like, oh, you think this is fantastic? Well, I want to see fantastic things. You know, if, if you just post, like, like oh, Texas Chainsaw is terrible, it's like, okay, well, I'm not going to watch Texas Chainsaw. There's then. no backup. Here, yeah. here's, here, that's not true. You'll watch it anyways, especially a movie that everyone loves except one guy. Here, I, yeah, here's I the thing. Know. Here's the thing. If somebody hates a movie I love, I get very annoyed. If it, if they sound like, you know, if they're justified, it's fine. But if, mm-hmm. if they sound like, if they don't give any details, I'm very annoyed. But if someone lo- loves a movie I hate, I love it. I love it. If they love a movie I love, I love it. If they love a movie I hate, I love it. Because, mm-hmm. you know, that's just the way I am. I want to like more movies than I hate. You right. know? Well, I just, I want to be, I want to find new things. And yeah. so, if it's a new thing... You know, is it, you know, Texas Chainsaw is probably a bad example, but something I've never heard of, and or even if it is something that I've heard of but just never really watched because I never took them the time to watch. Like if somebody put, like I've never seen um, Indiana Jones. Okay, that's crazy. Um, You're interested in seeing it though. 
No, I have no interest in seeing Why? it. But if everybody, the Sunnies just said, oh, it's garbage, blah, 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 I'm like, oh, I'm not going to watch it. Shut up. That doesn't make any sense. I don't know what you're talking about. It makes 90, total sense. A hundred million people say they love it, and then one guy says it sucks. Get out of here. But a hundred million people aren't going to post how much they love it. But yes, they will. Person... I've never heard anyone in their life say they hate Indiana Jones. That was a very bad example. It only usually works with horror movies because the horror movie groups are full of morons. Not, and, and lots of great people, too. All eh? 20 of you. <laughs> no, stop, stop. <laughs> I, let me get to the point before I forget it, too. I think I'm, I'm losing it because you went on a, like 25 minutes about Indiana Jones, which was some <laughs> stupid point that doesn't make any sense to me. Um, what was I going to say? I literally have lost it because of that stupid Indiana Jones bullshit. Like, I'm kind of annoyed at that. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to say here, I'm gonna, you guys are going to watch me think about what I was going to say. Um, no, you, literally, I lost it. Thanks a lot. Do you want me to talk about, um, I can talk while you're No, no, we're, right, we're actually, because last time you talked longer, and I said <laughs> I got it, and you kept talking about stupid shit for a joke when it wasn't very funny. Um, I'm good. Next week is The Tenant by Roman Polanski, my pick. Uh, so yeah, that is the final in the apartment trilogy. Yeah, we're, we're out of here. Oh, bye. And one more thing. I just thought about it. <laughs> no, when somebody comes out and says, Saw Texas Chainsaw Massacre, eh, didn't really care for it. It's like, also, there's another point to movies. Not You're not going to love every single movie. But if you can't watch a movie that has like historical context and just at least try to compare it to other movies you've seen later on or compare it to the contemporary movies that were happening and take some sort of respect out of it from that or some like kind of interest points out of that, then I don't know what you're doing. I'm sorry. I know I'm seeing like I'm on a, like a high horse. You know what I mean though? Like Why every single so mad? <laughs> every single every single piece of a puzzle, you know what I mean? Every movie. Like you don't like everything. Right. And, and I'm not the, like the brightest guy ever, but seeing certain things, it's like every time you see a movie, it's a, another piece of the puzzle of that big thing called cinema and you can connect it to other things and they all like correlate and they all go together and it just it makes things more interesting. Like, for example, the movie Whirlpool, which I had never really heard about. It was by Jose Larraz mm. and it came out. I think before Last House on the Left. And that ending of that movie was just so downbeat and so, like, nihilistic. It kind of blew my mind, and I was thinking, man, you know, Last House on the Left, maybe maybe something, Craven saw something like this, or maybe that, that, that horrible attitude was in the air before Last House on the Left. It was just, I mean, in, in society, it most definitely was, but maybe it was mm -hmm. there in cinema, too. I know other movies say it have, were kind of downbeat, and it was kind of a trajectory to that, you know, Bonnie and Clyde, The Wild Bunch, and I Living Dead, and then The Last House on the Left. But that was another piece of that puzzle that I never thought about, and it just kind of was very interesting in that point. And although that movie is not nearly as strong as Last House on the Left or as mm -hmm. powerful or as famous, it is another piece. And, like, somebody would come in and probably be like, eh, two stars, didn't like it. It's like, yeah, but the historical impact and where it fits in the thing makes it so much more interesting and much more worthy than a two-star rating you know oh, i enjoy yeah. the movie that's what someone's saying like people don't necessarily think out of the box i know that sounds shitty i know a lot of people do too there's a lot of huge film fans and cinema fans and a lot of them think like that it's just i can't this comes back to akira who the fuck would rate akira 1.5 out of 10 <laughs> you know out of, out, of, out of five like well, why like I, I there's some classic movies like 
for example, Evil Dead 2 is one mm-hmm. that I've never had the love that a lot of other people had. Mm-hmm. But there is no way I look at Evil Dead 2 and say, that's a bad movie. That sucks. That's just, it's just fucking counterproductive and idiotic. Well, you know, you look at these things like, like we look at Star Trek, Star Wars, um, you know, and like these things wouldn't be around if it weren't for things like, you know, uh, Forbidden Planet. Yeah, but Forbidden you know, it, I mean, the, they, you know, things exist because these people grew up watching this thing and they grew up watching this thing. And, you know, there there comes a point where, like, like I said, everything exists in some sort of bubble. Everything is, yeah. is within context of each other. And if you, or, or significance, and, you know, to have an appreciation of one thing, I, I think it helps to understand where that appreciation comes yeah. from. Um, there's there's another thing, too. I have been guilty of disliking a certain director or style. Herschel Gordon-Lewis, for example. Never been a huge Herschel Gordon-Lewis fan. Mm-hmm. But do I regret watching his movies? Do I regret buying his movies? Absolutely not. I am super happy I bought them. I'm super happy I watched them. Now, I don't rate them as high as, like I said, you know, that's kind of, like, shady because some people are like, well, you, the way you don't like Herschel Gordon-Lewis, I don't like this. And I can understand that, but I do feel like there is a lot of respect given to Herschel Gordon-Lewis mm-hmm. that I, I, I respect the hell out of him. But there's also that thing where he actively said he didn't give a shit, which bothers me. But he is a huge major part of history in horror films. And right. like his films definitely inspired other films and lead to the thing. And it's a big part of that puzzle. A huge piece of the puzzle. But just when people are so dismissive and they don't really talk about their feelings and get them out there, I just feel it's completely counterproductive for someone to waste their fucking time writing a joke review on something that's so important as Akira or even if nobody could get you know just like this sucks I don't like it. it's just stupid it's just a waste of time and it's just uh, something we don't really need it it probably made them upset it probably made them cry or made them feel a certain way so they felt the need no, to counterbalance no. I just can't it just still bothers me like I get it at one point I know there's lots of like great critics out there that just shit on movies and like Tay for example Bring Me the Head of Alfredo Garcia just was horribly shit on when it came out but that's a fucking masterpiece I don't even understand that's like, his best movie it's his most personal movie probably not yeah might be his it's, most I think it's his best I you know I, I've it's seen my second three. favorite um, and, and as much as I like Wild Bunch... Wild Bunch is an absolute classic. But everybody loves Wild Bunch. Not everybody loves Bring Me the Head of Alfredo right. Garcia. So, like, when you have that connection to something, it's a little bit more personal, I think. Well, I think it's just a more personal movie. Yeah. Because I'm I'm not a, you know, an aging cowboy. But, but I think, you know, I am somebody that has, you know, wishes and wants to, you know brighten my outlook on life and my prospects for somebody that I care about. I mean... Can't lose all the time. Yeah, you can't lose all the time. <laughs> he's a loser! Can't lose all the time. <laughs> he can't lose all the time, and he's right. Anyways, we've got on crazy tangents of completely nonsense. But, but it's just like, I don't know. It, that's basically my reaction to a 1.5 review on Letterboxd <laughs> that had 900 likes, mind you, uh, but... All of them were from me. <laughs> I don't find it funny. Like I, I just think it, it's one thing to make jokes and have fun. Well, it's just like it's not funny. It's just not funny. It's it's just a waste. Of, I'm I'm mad. I read it. I know. Like, and we all have different opinions, and right. I, I respect a lot of people's opinions. But like that's not saying anything. That's literally not saying anything 
to where I understand why you disliked it. Like, there's no constructive criticism in that. Now, you're not you're not even talking about something really dumb, like, um, that some people might draw, like, Troll 2, like, hard pass, just post right. that hard pass, you know what I mean, whatever. But still, anyways, we're, I'm done. You want anything else to say? Because I've rambled on like a moron for way too long. Um, yeah, I just, I don't read reviews or really watch them. What? No, I, I don't. I'm like, uh, the funny thing is now, if like I said this on the 22 shots, if I'm going to spend my time reading a review, it's not going to be by a, a joker like me. I'm, I'm, right. I'm going to read Cat Ellinger or, you know, somebody, Tim Lucas. If I do that, I want to pick up a book like that or read one of their blogs or something like that. If I do decide to read something and I know I sound like an idiot like that, but I, you know, I, I would listen to an audio podcast about it. And I just, those people do audio things too. So it's just funny. It's like, there's so many people out there like, it's just waste your time reading reviews on Letterbox of. And I think I find analysis to be fascinating. Reviews, I I, I don't care well, what you think. Let's be real. I bounce back and forth. I don't think I I'm a hundred percent a reviewer at all. Sometimes I just like talk about the movie a little bit and mm-hmm. get some eyes on it. If, if the little people, little bit of people that watch the channel. But sometimes I think we go into analysis a little bit. We, we yeah. I mean, we did it with Visitor Q, basically right. just comparison to other films around the time in society, you know, and media and stuff like that. Oh, but I, like yeah, that, I, I always try to push a more analytical when I'm watching these movies. You know, you know, what is this? Where does this come from? Where does it go? You know, I pick all these fifty science movies for a reason, and that reason was because of a song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I always try to, um, I, I become kind of hooked on certain directors, especially if I can find themes and messages and right. an older movie. That's why Romero is my favorite. Mm-hmm. And uh, Fulci, although some people would say it's not there, it is there on a lot of his movies, the oh, superstitious stuff. There's lots there. of stuff there. And of course, that's why I've been watching a lot of this Sato guy, because I'm seeing these themes and messages pop up. And I feel like when you can see their, all their films together, Peck and Paw too, it kind of paints a picture of the person. And you mm-hmm. see a lot lot of their you know the things that they're obsessed with or their their weaknesses and strong points in themselves and their characters and they come through with movies that's why sometimes you know journeyman directors are underappreciated but they're not as interesting and i think it's important but it's not a it's not a painting of the person but it's a painting of an aspect of life that maybe you don't get to experience for whatever reason better or worse it's a painting of a a person who how he sees the world yes negative and positive it it doesn't mean they feel that way right so it means that they see things that make them feel that way that they you know what i mean right but but, you know it's not like i'm we're watching a romero or we're watching a fulci to worship romero or fulci but it's to get to i think to enjoy or you know absorb that you know that view that you know this dialogue this experience you know you you can never know another person um you know it's not because we worship these people though some people i i worship certain people i I mean but somebody said some negative things about sam peckinpah i was listening to a podcast and it was like somebody very famous it was one of the Hughes builders he said the wild bunch was the first time i watched a movie where i thought that this guy is just a racist drunk (laughs) and i was like and i don't really think that he was racist in terms of modern day back then no back then no i know that some of the portraits painted of Mm -hmm. uh, mexican people in that movie could be negative but also at the same time the bad guy in the movie is literally fighting um pancho via troops that are trying to liberate mexico and they're the bad guys though they're portrayed as the worst Mm -hmm. people in the movie is mapache (coughs) and his group and they're fighting freedom fighters with the guns that the Wild Bunch are going to buy. And the Wild Bunch decide to say, fuck this, and go against them for multiple 
reasons, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's just like, in fact, the Wild Bunch are worse than, you know, it, it's just weird. I don't see it. I really don't see it. I think there's a deep love for Mexico and Sam Peckinpah in those movies. I do. I think that he romanticizes a lot of things, some violence. And although he hates violence, he romanticizes a lot of the old mm-hmm. West and, and in the same way also shows it in a horrible light. Um, the violence, but at the same time, I, he romanticizes Mexico. I, no, they said that he, uh, loved it, that he loved it. So I don't, had the same thing. I don't think that guy got it as smart as that guy is, as great mm-hmm. of a filmmaker he is. Some people just don't get it. And, right. and, and some people don't get Akira either, I guess. Right. Uh, that's just the thing, you know, like that's what makes us all special. And like I said, just saying that it does make it interesting and special at the same time. Some people don't get things, but if you don't get something, saying no this sucks don't waste your fucking time don't waste other people's time you know Mm -hmm. don't waste time it just don't you know at least contribute something but i don't know i'm wishy-washy as fuck today i think i'm tired i I am hungry and i can't stop rambling so we're done bye again Okay, let's get into these questions. Jason Bovee, hey, I know you probably get tons of movie recommendations from people, but have you seen slash reviewed Dry Blood? I just watched it and found it to be totally satisfying flick whose final act really packs a punch. Now, is Dry Blood the Dread Central one um, with the guy who goes to the cabin? Um, if so, I have seen and reviewed that one, but is there another one, or is that one called Dry Bones by Greg Lamberson or Greg Lamberson. Anyways, Dry Blood I have watched. Um, I think it's the Dread Center one. Check it out. Should be a few weeks back. Just search Mr. Parker Dry Blood. Should pop up. Nick Moo, which DVD Blu-ray of your collection is so special that you consider keeping it in a stainless steel fireproof impregnable safe? I don't really have one, but there's a couple that I realize are probably long out of print, like Splatter Naked Blood probably is out of print. Um, just some handful ones. Any of the Asian ones like Red to Kill would probably be really a pain in the ass to get. But a lot of them I'm hoping for Blu-ray release anyways to come out so um there's not any one maybe that dawn of the dead 4k when it shows up but are you excited at all for the new candy man yeah i'm moderately excited i'm gonna check it out for sure i'm not like over that you know i don't get too excited about a lot of new movies but yeah if there was some horrendous beast on the loose at the factory you work uh, a la graveyard shift how would you deal with it quit um get on uh what is it uh, FMLA and just be like, I'm not feeling it today. I ain't coming in. Um, but uh, it depends if the the doors were shut down or anything like that. How would I deal with the thing? I would want to get it out in the open so I could constantly see it. Because in Graveyard Shift, you're in like catacombs and everything like that. So you're kind of screwed. Like a lot of the guys just get killed by like not knowing their surroundings, like Carmichael and uh, Brogan. They they were screwed. They were just they're just done. Couldn't really do much about them. They were gonna die anyways. Um, how they bit it. But uh, you know, other way I would want to see it out in the open. And there's a lot of metal. Um, possibly try to get in a forklift. It messed it up with a forklift or or some some some, some sort of heavy heavy machinery. I don't work in a factory like Graveyard Shift. That place was a dump. Um, my my factory is not super clean, but it's not Graveyard Shift. Then we have Zach Nolan. I have requested to see your Vault of Evil. Thanks for running through your shelves. Where did you meet Jeremy? I met Jeremy like 13 years ago. I think we were just bullshitting online and ended up hanging out at like a, a Allied Record Exchange to meet up. It's always weird like meeting people online because you don't know if you're going to need your head chopped off. But that's basically what happened. 
Um, we had a lot of similar friends though. We had a lot of the same friends and everything like that. So, you know, we had the similar like music and stuff like that into it. So Burns Burns, hi from France. It's, is it as good as Tony? Or he's basically asking about cold light of day. Is it as good as Tony? And are we talking about the same killer? Um, I prefer Tony over cold light of day. And, um, Tony, I imagine would probably be based on Dennis Nielsen, but I'm not a hundred percent sure if it was based on Dennis Nielsen. So I'm not, um, it's based on Dennis Nielsen and Tony has has a lot of similarities to Dennis Nielsen, but um, in that movie, they definitely put some more of their own spin on the character, being obsessed with action films and stuff like that. Um, Ken Coakley, I just got through Warren watching your room tour. I was impressed. I have a little over 2100, 2100 Blu-rays, and you make me look like a casual collector. I agree with you that Kino Spines. Keep it simple. I was also impressed that you pronounced John Roland's name correctly. Moods always pronounces it Gene Roland. <laughs> um, I have two questions. Have you ever watched everything in your collection? Absolutely not. I probably will die before that happens. Do you keep an inventory to see how many movies from each platform you own? I did at one point. I do not anymore. I really need to get an inventory down. Um, maybe one day if I get trapped in here for like two weeks or something, can't leave the house. So answers. Basically, I ask if I could no longer do YouTube, is there any alternative that you would prefer? Um, Jim Warner, I prefer video over audio. I'm a graphical kind of guy. I prefer YouTube, but can also do video. Your choice. It's just good to see your expressions and characteristics while you're reviewing. That can't be captured in audio only. I also like it when you hold the titles up. Makes everything connect in my micro brain. I agree. I, I think video is superior to audio. But I personally listen to a lot more audio than I do video because I do it when I work. Um, Michael Woodward, M Mr. Parka, you could set up your channel on alt platforms such as uh, Bitchcut and Odyssey. Many channels that I subscribe to are now on these platforms as YouTube either banned or censored them. CEO of YouTube, Susan Wojewicki, is a disgrace. You can actually film animal abuse videos on YouTube, but God forbid if you say something political that she disagrees with, you... You will be banned. So these all alternative platforms are now where I go to seek out channels that I watch. Thank you. I'll have to check those out. Nick Moore, if you disappeared from YouTube, I would summon the bloodhounds and sorry, wrong program. All kidding aside, I would recommend Vimeo. They have a new, nice, sleek look, and I believe they don't charge exorbitant sums of dough. I think that's $300 for a year. Um, also, the image quality on Vimeo is excellent. The guided tour of your home media chamber is very much appreciated. Moving it all when you're repainting the walls must be a bit of a chore, though, right? I'm not repainting these walls. I painted them once. We're good. And I don't plan on moving anytime soon. Um, when I did, Oh, man, I'm never moving these again. It's so miserable. Because it's like you got to be like, I, the last time I got to the point where I just um, put it, like I would grab like f 10 movies and put them in, like, keep them in alphabetical order and put them in a plastic bag, then put them in a bin. So when I pull them out, it's instead of sorting 500, like 10,000 titles in alphabetical order, you only have to sell like 500 bags. Like, boom, there, there we go. Um, so then we have Bad Brains Whore Dave. Dave, if you couldn't do YouTube for whatever reason, I would recommend Twitch. Good, A couple of good horse shows in there and great community. Miss Turning the Dead on Twitch, for example. Love the show. Thanks. Ken Coakley, I would prefer that you stick with video. I like looking at your video collection in the background. I watch five, four or five other channels and yours is the best. Wherever you go, I will subscribe. Keep up the good work. Thank you. Uh, Skip Barber, I guess the question is, what is the goal of the move? I agree that YouTube might change in unpredictable ways, but currently you have a reliable audience of between 700 and 900 views per week. Is there such a platform that can increase viewership? Do you want to monetize your videos? Can you increase your Patreon base of support? Would an interactive Zoom presentation be a way of increasing your fan loyalty and support? Just some random thoughts. Really, it's all about copyright and things like that. If YouTube one day decides that we don't want really any independent people on here because some idiot might do something or say something that's completely inappropriate and it looks bad on 
on us. Or some, you know, kid might stumble across a review of Cannibal Holocaust and be absolutely scarred or something. like We don't want that on our hands. So any day that the bubble could burst and, you know, I'd like to start it a backup now. So it's not completely a horrible switchover. Um, Randall Stoddard, um, I listen to, I'd listen to in an audio only form, not all that familiar with Zoom, but would definitely support any move you had to make. I appreciate you guys for all the support, you know, following me over if it happens. Um, basically, Skip Barber posts here are some options. DTube looks good, but I'm not familiar with it. And then he also put a couple other ones, oh, a link to like 10 alternatives. Jonathan Wilhelm, all these cool kids are using Twitch these days. I don't really know how to use Twitch. I'll look into it. Matthew Hutchin, live weekly presentations at the Valentine. I realize that's kind of a joke, but come on, it'd be cool, wouldn't it? In all honesty, you could do audio, but you need a format where you could post pictures with the episodes because I'm not being denied seeing you. Crap, I haven't seen you in person in like nine months. Uh, Matt Hudson's a friend of mine. So Watson, uh, Watson who is from the Watt Z Horror Show podcast, a uh, great show, probably said it wrong, but search Watt like W-A-T-Z-E-E. It's Dave Z and Watson. Uh, great podcast. Are you switching this up with your content, man? Uh, and I answered him. He says, uh, well, a straight up podcast would shoot you. You've been killing it lately, dude. A DJP solo cast would be badass. I would have to take a page out of your book and script some stuff. That's what I told him. Cause, and, uh, basically he asked, how do I get the audio version of the show? And if you guys don't know, there is an audio only version. If you just don't want to see me or you have to do something and want to carry it to work with you, it's under shut up Brandon podcast on Stitcher and Podbean, And it should be on Apple as well. Um, or just search Mr. Parka under episodes and you'll see and subscribe to that. There's some old episodes of, uh, you know, from years ago too on there. Um, of me, Dustin, and Brandon's show. Shut up, Brandon. Um, then we have Key Hornick, Spotify, question mark. Rashish Brown, Twitch. Dustin Mills, just come to my house and yell your movie opinions at me. I already do that. Um, I should, well, I used to do that until you moved to Bowling Green, um, which is too far for me. Jamal Potter, I'd upload a clip as a promotion to YouTube with a link in the description on Vimeo or Daily Motion. Uh, Barbie Beeson, Dead Air Radio. And then information, these are some funny comments. DVDs, nuts, and popcorn. Just following your channel. Nice job in the video. Very detailed and informative. Subbed up. I love supporting the movie review and collecting community. I feel it doesn't get the views and love it deserves. I just started a secondary channel for my main channel doing food reviews and movie stuff. Just dropped by Goodwill. Dropped my Goodwill, Dollar Tree, etc. Horror movie finds for 2020. Check it out. You get a chance. Constructive criticism. Always welcome. Um, I'm also always open to constructive criticism. Claire Bear. Yay, my pick. And same. I had a hard time getting into it in the beginning. She's talking about Housebound. But that, uh, then I started to realize how funny it was. And by the end, I loved it. I was like, oh, I felt the same way in that one. Then we have, uh, she's puts impressive collection. Somebody is going to need more shelf soon. Dika uh, Sapurtra, bro, can you review the movie the May the Devil Take You too? Shutter Original, the director of this film is Timo, uh, it's a very hard name to pronounce, but he did a bunch of stuff. Um, and then he mentions May the Devil Take You was on Netflix two years ago. The movie was horrible and scared me. Just info, bro. May the Devil Take You Too is a sequel from the film May the Devil Take You. And the film May the Devil Take You Too streaming on Shutter Original premiered on October 29, 2020. I'll have to review both of those. And he says, yeah. And then I am the Ice Lord. Love the new do. Looks like you got some awesome movies this week to talk about. Elliot Blades. It's funny you mentioned Flowers in the Attic in relation to Penn because the book's author became V.C. Andrews' ghostwriter when she passed away. And then we have Issa... Um, Isamiso or, or Isamiso. Uh, Next door is such an underrated gem. The plot was complete mindfuck. The last scene slash twist was so chilling and effective. Big fan of Scandinavian horror. They really need to push out more stuff. Also, amazing tour room. 
Thank you. Jason Bovey, I'm totally impressed by the Epic Collection Man, so this is what Obsession looks like. Indeed it does. Dominic D, wow, this is seriously an impressive collection. To see the scope of it is awesome. And Wild Will from Chesterfield, too many rare pickups this past three months to name 2020 has been the year of the double and triple dip for me love the room tour what i would do to dig through your collection and trim back the fat for you lol would be an honor to buy a few rare ones from you keep up the great content mr parka usually i don't sh uh, sell any of my stuff i don't really have that many doubles and then uh the question of the week um i stole this from jp on 22 shots what are some underrated horde directors i'm talking like guys like hiyasu sato people that they don't mention very much just underrated horde directors i don't want to hear carpenter romero craven i don't want to hear any of those names gordon hooper because they may be underrated but i want to hear some little known underrated horde directors not the big dogs so just let me know on that and then uh i guess we're gonna hop into the update Okay, guys, let's start this off with a big one, Untold Story, Honored Films. Love this movie. Super happy to see it get a Blu-ray release, Honored Films. Hopefully they put out some more uh, Cat 3 or Asian films, Hong Kong movies, because this one's awesome. Love it, Untold Story, Anthony Wong. And then we have Graveyard, uh, Graveyards of Honor. Never seen these. Uh, pretty cool. Two-disc set. This one's sold out from Arrow. I'll have to review it if I get a chance. But yeah. Good stuff. Graveyard of Honor. Then we have some Kinos. Picture Mommy Dead. Donamichi. Uh, Zaza Gabor. Uh, Gabar. So some some names in here I recognize that I have not really seen many movies. Horror movie. Um, yeah. Then we have this one. Another Kino. Uh, Fear No Evil. Ritual of Evil not seen these i think this might be is it two different movies oh, i thought it was one movie and then they were cut different but i guess it's two films so love love kino what they put out then we got killdozer on blu-ray clint walker i think ran uh ran uh what is his fucking name in here uh it's one of the big guys neville brands in here too so i like seeing that not seen this one have had the dvd but yep then we have a Blu-ray here of the Tartan Asia Extreme, the Triad Trilogy, Election, Triad Election, and Triad Underworld. So, pretty cool. All three movies. And then we have a DVD of Phone, which uh, uh, is the newer edition. I think, I, like I said, I'm done with the Tartan Asia Extreme. This is the last of them. Pretty cool. And last, a DVD of Gun Crazy Collection. This is the first two movies in the collection. I have the second two. And this includes, what are the movies? Uh, a Woman from Nowhere and Beyond the Law. It was used, but a uh, good price on it. So, yeah, I guess we're going to hop back to the video. Okay, guys, thank you very much for watching. And as always, have a good one. Mm.